Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. You ready for the NBA opener? Well, for the Jazz NBA opener. I know there were two games last night. The Bucks got to lift the lid on the season. They got to play the season's first game, and they got the win over the Nets. But it's the Jazz that matter in these parts, so let's skip right to that. I will say, when I watch the Dodgers, I do think of the Jazz. I know it's different. Dodgers have the biggest pay- payroll. They're the defending Major League champs. <coughs> Won it all last year in that shortened season. But they had a terrific regular season. 106 wins. Weren't the one seed. Did get the big playoff win in the wild card game. Did get the big win in the divisional series. Gutting out. Their fans are tortured. Okay, they're defending champs. It's not a perfect analogy with the Jazz. But they were almost done last night. And Bellinger hits the three-run homer to tie the game. Betts drives in the winning run, and they get the 6-5 win. So they're back in the series. Just thinking, that's the agony Jazz fans are inevitably in for in the postseason this year. I think they'll make it. I think they'll make it comfortably in a good spot in the seeding. I don't know if they'll be one, but they were one last year. I don't think they'll fight and scrape for every last win trying to get one. I think they'll make sure that they're rested and healthy going into the playoffs. Now, if you can get one and be rested and healthy, of course they'll do that. Um, but inevitably in playoff series, there are ups and there are downs and there's stress and there's tension. And you think you're done and then you're back and you think you've won and then you haven't. And the Dodgers have gone through all of that. And they may go through a lot more. I mean, they could lose the next two and be done. Uh, But there's been plenty of drama along the way. That last series with the Giants, that was a very dramatic series. And that's how it usually has to be in the postseason. you you got to grind. But first, 82 regular season games. So, for the Jazz, it starts tonight against Oklahoma City. 7 o'clock here on The Zone. Uh, We're going to get you started today with a little Quinn Snyder. Meeting with the media as the Jazz prepare for their season opener. Here's the Jazz head coach. I think, you know, at this point, guys are ready to play. It, it feels like a longer preseason um, because I think the last two preseasons we had were pretty short. So, um, you know, having this stretch after our last preseason game before the regular season, I think, you know, it's, I think we talked previously about just how you manage it where you try to balance execution and continuity and things with, with health and rest. And I think we've done that and we're ready to go. We've been talking to Donovan quite a bit about, you know, what his ceiling is and what he needs to do to take the next step to get to the next level. He talks a lot about wanting to improve on the defensive end. Do you think that there's any truth to the idea that if the guy exerts himself, you know, so much on the offensive end, the way that Donovan does, that it kind of takes away from being able to exert himself the same amount on the other side? Um, there's always a little truth to everything, you know. Um, I, I think the, the truth is if you allow yourself that out, that, you know, when you get tired, it's easier to take it. And I think that's something that, Donovan's the reason he's saying that um, is because I think he's determined to, you know, to, to commit to every possession, you know, and that's really, you know, whether it's offense or defense or when you're on the bench, you know, literally watching the game and seeing how people are guarding you. Um, 
you know, I'd like to think there isn't a ceiling. You know, the minute we set a ceiling, you know, maybe you hit it. Um, and I think in his case, um, it's just reflective of a focus. And yes, it's, it's hard to focus on every possession. It just is. Um, and sometimes it's not necessarily because you don't want to, you know, play offense or play defense. You're reacting to a call or a missed shot or your man scoring on you. Um, you know, so that, that focus and that concentration, I think, is something that, you know, he's continued to emphasize and continue to improve. When you've had kind of a week-long run-up between the last preseason game and the start of tomorrow, how much of what you've done has been kind of just like general getting ready stuff that you're going to be doing in general and versus like at what point did you kind of start fine-tuning versus when you're going to I, I think, you know, I've mentioned that I think there's some very specific things that we want to um, keep in the front of our minds throughout the course of the year. And usually that involves trying to touch those things, if not daily, you know, consistently. Um, sometimes those, you know, be, be it something like running. Um, I'd like to think that no matter who we're playing, that that, you know, needs to be an emphasis and something that we commit to and commit to on a level that's above what we did last year. It's hard to practice. You know, we're not a track team. So it's hard to practice just sprinting. Once you're in shape, um, it becomes more a question of, of training and, you know, trying to figure out ways to train those things um, from a coaching perspective is always, you know, um, an area that, you try to be a little bit innovative. Um, sometimes it's just through emphasis. Sometimes there's different drills you create. But again, even in a in a drill setting, maybe a warm up is involved where we're just training, you know, mental habits because you know running. It's, there's physics. Once you start going, it's it's easier to keep going. And if you don't run right away, it's harder to get going. So. Um, just as one example that, that I think you can apply to a lot of different things as far as the way we're trying to practice to prepare us and what we need to be better at and what we need to do more of and then also balancing in, you know, your opponent, you know. So uh, the, the preparation for individual opponents, you know, starts now. Yes, is there a sense of normalcy returning tomorrow? Just a full 82 game schedule, fans back in the arena, you know, more days off between games, less back-to-back. Is there a sense of normalcy there a little bit? I don't know that anyone really remembers normal. You know, everything from where people are sitting to um, what the various protocols are. I think the, the, the normal part of it is, I think, being ready to adapt to change. And if you approach it from that standpoint, I think you're prepared, um, you know, wherever the season goes, hopefully – Nothing to indicate that, you know, things are going to be different. Um, but certainly they are different than last year. So um, the thing that's not different is there's five guys on each team out there, you know, competing and playing basketball. And that, that's the part that we know is going to happen. Yesterday I saw you having an extended conversation with Jared Butler after mm-hmm. practice. I imagine that those happen often. And I'm wondering how important it is to have conversations, no matter the subject, with a guy like Jared, his rookie season, maybe he's going to have to practice with patients. Mm-hmm. How often, how much of a part of your job is it to make sure that you connect with him, not just 
as a coach. But as sure. A um, I mean, I, I think that's an integral part of my job, you know, on multiple levels. <clears throat> um, I think one of the things that, um, that Jared's dealing with is, you know, every press conference, I get more Jared Butler questions than I do Rudy Gobert questions. Um, and we talk about Jared needing to practice patience. Um, I would argue that, you know, that's something we all should practice. Um, and to the extent that Jared's focus is on, you know, achieving something or showing something or playing X minutes or doing these things that that's taking the focus away from what he needs to be doing. It's just trying to get better. And, you know, I, I think to the, to the patient's part, understanding that, you know, getting better um, a lot of times involves making mistakes and to, to, to be patient with yourself about, um, you know, it's not going to, you're not going to be perfect. And, you know, it, that's an adjustment for every, for every player. I, I think even our veteran guys, Rudy, Rudy Gay's practicing patience right now. Cause he's not, you know, he's out there on the alter G we moved it out to the court so that he can kind of be a part of practice. And, um, JC practices patience every game when he's itching to get in at like the four minute mark. So, um, you know, I, I think that's a crucial component of what makes a team function. Um, and, you know, Jared's no different than anyone, except that, you know, this is his first go at. When, by and large, NBA teams have 15 different guys with 15 different backgrounds. You guys have Donovan and Eric, who are, like, lifelong friends, neighbors since they were young, right? So what does that do to a locker room, and what is that? I mean, kind of what influence does that have on the team? That's a – it's a different background. You know, I, I don't think you you, you, you can uh, – separate it's just a, it's another it's no different in, in in the fact that it's different but that, that's kind of the point it's someone that's from australia or someone's from france two guys went to high school together um i think all those dynamics have an opportunity to make you better um so um you wouldn't you, you don't watch his practice and go oh those two guys played together you know that that's not um you know they're different players and different people and, uh, you know, you can tell the guys that have played together for a long time when you watch his practice. And I think part of it for Eric has been, you know, understanding the ways that he can help impact, um, you know, our team positively. And Donovan's someone that can, you know, can help translate that, um, you know, from, from a number of different vantage points because he's been through it too. But I, I don't think that and you know Donovan's not looking at Eric any differently than he's looking at Jared. He's probably talking to Jared a whole lot more than he is Eric because they're playing the same position. So, um, you know, Eric's his own guy, and Donovan's his own guy. And as long as we don't have too many Duke guys, we'll be all right. All right, there is Quinn Snyder as the Jazz prepare for their season opener tonight. Got a lot of road games at the start of the year, but got a home game tonight. Actually, be on the road Friday against Sacramento, Oklahoma City, and Sacramento. Yeah, the list of people who think those teams are going to the playoffs is real short. Winnable games right out of the start. Jazz need to be 1-0 when they go to bed tonight, and they need to be 2-0 when we get to Saturday morning. That's the way that needs to work. Just start in the right place. This is a team, I think, that is built to start fast. They've got so many guys back, and they're relatively healthy out of the gate. They are waiting for uh, Rudy Gay and the heel uh, surgery to heal up. 
That's the use of the word heel too much, too close together. But this team with enough guys back, prepared to win, and I expect they will. We'll have more on this as the morning progresses, but we need to get you some Ute and Cougar football as well. Frank Dolce is coming up later in the hour. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, is next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's a Friday night showdown in Logan as Blake Anderson and the Aggies welcome in the Colorado State Rams for a big Mountain West Conference battle. Listen all week long for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action beginning with the Aggie pregame show Friday at 6.30. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to check in our weekly visit with Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Dylan, good morning. Morning, fellas. How we doing? Good. I am curious uh, if you think a loss like BYU just went through feels different. Just getting physically dominated at the line of scrimmage, as opposed to a Boise State game where you're thinking, man, made a you know yeah. three mistakes with three fumbles. I'll even set that fourth interception aside because the game could have been a very different point with two minutes to go, and maybe that wouldn't have happened. You know, those fumbles, we could have, that could have been really different. Whereas the Baylor game, man, you're getting on the bus afterwards, and you're thinking, 300 yards rushing? And our star running back yeah. only ran for 33 yards? Ah! So I'm just wondering what you think the team is thinking and feeling and how that impacts them going forward. Yeah, I think it's, uh, that, that's definitely a tough one, right? That's a tough pill to swallow. Um, you, you know, have so much confidence in kind of the power right behind the offensive, um, but to see it go down that way, you start to kind of rethink and you know kind of reevaluate what type of strength and power you have against top tier teams, right? Um, and what's the difference between the first part of the season? And yes, we can sit here and talk about well, it's early in the season, it's all these different things, but you know personally that the difference really has been kind of that strength and that overpower and the the confidence that the defensive line and that box had and I don't know if that's a loss because of Keenan Peely or, or what the deal is there but um, that was a uh, that was a different ball game and a different football team that we saw Saturday yeah I think that Peely injury the season ender I think he suffered it against ASU if I remember correctly that's that's yeah. I been think it's been underreported because uh, I believe he was their best defensive player. I mean, they've got a, Will Garn, mm-hmm. some other guys are really good, but I think he was their best. And you yeah. don't replace your best because he is your best. But nevertheless, this is football, so they've got to find ways to step up from these other guys. Now, maybe they can get better with they have more experience, but what's your confidence level that the defense can rebound because, I mean, they got thrashed by Baylor. Yeah, and, and and I do. I, I do have a ton of confidence. And even looking at the, the rest of that injury report, you look at, you know, uh, you look at Zoe Palatea, 
being out and kind of that that spirit of the defensive line, right? And what he brings to the table and the energy that he brings uh, for the defense is huge. And so when you look at the loss of those two players, you're kind of, just like you said, right? The difference between being a top-tier team is the depth that you have to replace those types of injuries. And so if those, if those, if the depth isn't there, right, then where do you fall among the rest of college football? And so, um, you know, I think over time, right, in terms of growth and in terms of what the future looks like for BYU, like I've said from the very beginning, the recruiting classes aren't going to get worse by any means. They're only going to get better. Uh, and so I think what you're going to see over the next few years is that talent continue to develop and that depth continue where there isn't this talent gap, you know, forget experience, but there isn't this talent gap between, you know, the first and second level guys uh, in that in that box. So Kalani's talked a lot about the depth of this team being better, and I think that uh, big picture, that's probably true. But then when you start breaking it down by position group, it isn't true for every position group, certainly not to the same level, right? We know they've got two quarterbacks. We know there's depth at wide receiver. Now, the old line has had guys coming and going, and certainly BYU did not run the ball the way we expected. Do you... How much faith do you have in the depth of the O-line? Are there specific guys that can't be replaced the way Peely can't? He's just too good. You're not going to have another Peely coming off the bench. You're just not. And I, Right, exactly. And, and I think that goes off of age, right? And who's, you know, what is the depth of this team in regards to how many young players are involved? The, the may be seasoned and, and they might be juniors and some may even be seniors. But the depth goes back to, you know, true freshmen, right? Uh, that's who we're going out there with. And so you have, you, you have to understand that you have to give those guys time. Um, and when Kalani talks about the depth being better, I mean, if you look at even where we were in 2018, right, when this staff really just started to kind of ramp things up, the depth wasn't – like, we didn't have the depth at starters, right? Like, our first 22 guys that were out on the field weren't – as good as some of the second deep guys or the two deep guys that BYU has today. And so if you look at where the depth is in comparison and where that growth has come from is, is huge, is, is incredibly different. Um, now it's just a matter of continuing to build upon that and, and getting the guys that you know we need to be able to develop, not just a couple positions too deep, but every position too deep, and now preparing to get the three deep uh, in a, you know, in, in, in top tier talent. So Dylan, if I remember correctly, my timeline is right. You played for Nick Rolovich in Hawaii, did you not? Uh-huh. I did. Right. I did. So this is a wild, wild story. Uh, what do you know of him? What can you tell us about him as far as uh, are you surprised by all this? Um, I've obviously had a, a, a lot of time to think about this, right? Since, since the report first came out that he was in this situation um, and then just talking to teammates throughout the weeks uh, on, you know, what the different opinions and different reactions are. And then even last night when the news, uh, the news broke, having conversations with teammates. And, you know, um, if there's one thing about Rolo, right, he is, a, he is a player's first guy. And I think you've seen that in the reaction from the Washington State players, right? Now, my first two years with Rolo were his first two years as a head coach in college football. And so you saw a lot of learning, a lot of growth, 
um, and a lot of areas where you kind of say, okay, like, yep, this is the effects of being a new head coach. Uh, to see the reaction of his players, right, and really just the devastation proves out that over the last few years, he's done nothing but continue to grow in regards to being a head coach, but as well as building relationships and building the character of these players. And so, you know, that's where this type of thing becomes very difficult because, you know, you look at the choices that were made because it obviously is a choice, right? And I have no qualms with whatever choice anybody wants to make, right? You have that freedom to choose. But when you look at the adverse effect of what this may do to some of those kids that literally had zero opportunity, right? And now, based off the experience that I've had with Rolo, right, now have a world of confidence and a world of potential to go out and really have faith in themselves to go achieve what they want, right, um, is, is huge. And so, uh, you know, once again, right, you got, you got the freedom to choose, and, and I respect his decision. And we, when he makes decisions, he's going to stick, you know, he's going to stick with those decisions. Um, and if he feels it's for the best, right, then it's for the best for him and his family. Uh, but you got to look at what what these players are about to go through, especially in the change, um, and and losing him is kind of their their lighthouse uh, as as a leader. So uh, you know, it's obviously a tough tough experience for them specifically. So the O line coach is out. The uh, co-offensive yep. coordinator slash quarterbacks coach is out. The head coach is out. That's on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, right. Rollo's got the right. offensive background. So I'm curious for the BYU defense, how much do you think of what they see on film is going to apply? I think it's most of it. And then in-game adjustments, that would seem to be really hard for Washington State. If the Cougar defense can get the upper hand that would be more important than usual, I would think. If you can get the upper hand and get a lead, uh, do you buy all that? Yeah. There's, there's, two, there's two parts of that, right? You, you have the first part being what type of adjustments can be made. The beautiful thing about Rolo's offense is that really everything is player-based. It's extremely simple to learn. It's extremely simple to understand as – you begin to understand the game of football, right? And so the way that the offense is taught in terms of formations, in terms of play calls, in terms of adjustments, is all based off of coverage. There's almost zero communication with the coaches during a actual game, right? You're going to get the signal, which is, you know, to be honest with you, right? We can open up the playbook right now at Washington State. You're going to see four different uh, – you're going to see two different types, right? You're going to see a lot of 12. You're going to see a lot of 11 and a lot of 10. Uh, and then you're going to see about four different formations that are based off of a number call. And that's it, right? Everything else is going to be an RPO base, and that is going to be contingent on what the defense is showing you. And the quarterback has the ability to change all of that at the line without zero kind of recognition or confirmation from the coach. And so the ability to run that offense is going to be very simple for them. Now, you look at the core base, right? What happens in a game when an offensive line is getting beat up, right? You have that ability to kind of regroup with your coach. Uh, you have the ability to kind of 
find your way and, and go back to the offensive line coach like Weber and gain that type of confidence. But unfortunately, he's not going to be there. And so if BYU is able to bring that pressure and bring the heat and you know play a much more physical game than they played this last Saturday, then they should be able to put this to rest very quickly, right? Um, and And I just don't see there being much opportunity for a team like Washington State in this type of situation they're in to find any type of momentum with the amount of coaches that are gone, especially with Rolo. Why do you say especially Rolo as opposed to the assistants? Because um, uh, I get Rolo has a much, much more involved football scheme than most head coaches you'll see, right? Uh, when it comes to the football, the only chance and the only ability that Rolo has to be extremely successful is when he is actually touching the offense. Um, if he takes that bystander look and says, hey, I trust my guys, right? I trust the passing game coordinator. I trust the run game coordinator to run this offense. Uh, the effects, they're, they're not there, right? They don't have the level of comprehension that Rolo does. Uh, Nick Rolovich is one of the most dynamic offensive minds in the game of football. That dude is, um, like, brainiac smart when it comes to football. And so, you know, that's his passion. That's his, that is his strength. And so if he isn't a key part of that, then you're not going to be – the success isn't surrounded by him. I can, I can promise you that. The success really stands, starts, and is, you know, kind of the momentum is gained through him, and everybody else just kind of has a small finger in what that success looks like on that staff. Dylan Colley joining us, former BYU wide receiver. So coaches will always say, well, we worry about us. You know, it's 80 or 90% about what we do. It's 10 or 20% of preparing for the opponent. As you, as, a, as an alum, get ready to watch this game, are you more worried about BYU figuring out what went wrong the last two weeks? Or are you more trying to figure out what the heck is Wazoo going to do? This is a crazy story to have happening after seven yeah. games in a 12-game season. Yeah, if, if- if BYU gets lost in the story of Wazoo, right, they're going to find themselves in a pickle halfway through the second quarter. Uh, this is really an opportunity for BYU to flip the switch and carry out the rest of the season with some momentum uh, to kind of build, to grow, to get ready for, you know, obviously, we all know, contractually, going to the Independence Bowl, right, to be able to finish out the season you know, hopefully run the table. You have a few games in front of you that can be real difference makers as in, you know, as it pertains to power five teams, you have the opportunity to go and win a ball game. And then you come back and you get a lot of your guys back. Uh, and you use this as kind of a stepping stone to what greatness could be like for, for next season. Um, and that's, that's huge. But if you get lost in the thoughts, right, you're going to find yourself in a, in a bit of a pickle. Well, that could lead to a three-game losing streak, and that would wreck all the good vibes from 5-0 and to open the season. So, big game Saturday afternoon on the Palouse. Absolutely. 
All right, Dylan. Well, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for uh, thanks for talking BYU football, and thanks for uh, explaining Rolo. I haven't played for him for a couple of years. We appreciate it. Hey, no worries. You guys have a good one. There is Dylan Cauley, the former BYU wide receiver, and now a guy who gives us that unique perspective. He knows Rolovich. He played for Rolovich when Rolovich was in Hawaii, and now Rolovich has stepped down at Washington State. So what happens to Wazoo without their coach? Does it bring them together, rally them, and they play even better? Do they fall apart? Or are they just kind of who they are, and how does BYU match up with them, and how does BYU respond? We're going to talk about Washington State's response because this is such a unique story. BYU's story is more traditional. Teams are hot. BYU was, and they won five in a row. Teams cool off, have bad matchups, play better teams, lose a couple of times. BYU has. So what is the Cougars? Well, they're both Cougars. What is BYU's response to these two losses? Very intrigued to see that. For the Utes, the success has started coming now. They had back-to-back losses. They've responded with a three-game win streak. Can they make it four in a row? Can they beat Oregon State? We'll get to that next with Frank Dolce. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's another Pac-12 road trip for Utah as Kyle Whittingham and the Utes head to the Pacific Northwest to battle Oregon State in Corvallis. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 4.30 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Utah getting ready to face Oregon State. PK, it doesn't sound like a massive matchup, but it's the leader in the South and the co-leader in the North. It's a Pac-12 network game. <laughs> yes, Phantom Fox. That surprised like, me. Yeah, it's not a it's not a massive that, matchup. That did surprise me when I saw that. You know, I got the Pac-12 network, so I'm okay. I'm good to go. But yeah, I, I saw that and I was surprised because I think it, 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 it's an important game. Obviously, both teams are four two. It is time to bring in Frank Dolce, Ute Insider Analyst for the Zone Sports Network. He joins us. On the Smart Rain guest line, Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of the Save Now, Pay Later promotion. Do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Frank, good morning. Good morning, guys. Hope you're doing well. Doing well, yes. A little curious your take. Utah, Oregon State. It doesn't sound like a huge game, but they're both 4-2 and two and... Utes lead the South, and Oregon State's tied with Oregon in the North. I get Oregon. UCLA is the big game, and I can't remember it's ABC or Fox, but it's over the air. It's okay. So that game is sexier. It's the LA market. It's Oregon. It's you know the coach versus his old team. But I would think the Utes—that's the second best game of the week in the conference. Issues on a bye week, but it's shuttled off to the Pac-12 network. Like it's nothing. Like it's Colorado and Arizona. What are they doing? What's going on? Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe Utah can use that as motivation. We're on a Pac-12 network. Let's show them on three. <laughs> we'll show you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, uh, I I think that, uh, yeah, I think Oregon-UCLA is uh, is kind of an exciting matchup, too. So, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree. I think this really fits, though, with this kind of fits uh, – 
Utah and Oregon State. I don't know if these two programs want to be flashy or, or, uh, or, you know, the, the, the uh, bell cow of the, of the conference. They just want to go out and do their work and then find themselves in a position to win a championship at the end of the year. So I think it, I think it kind of fits the personality of both of these football teams. And by the way, it's not, a great position for Utah to be in. I, it, if you go just this year alone, you go across the conference and, you know, we said Oregon was the best team in the league and then Oregon got beat the next week. And then Oregon State took control of the North and then Oregon State got beaten next week. And then uh, we said UCLA uh, was the best team in the South and then UCLA got beaten the next week. And then Arizona State was the best team in the South and then Arizona State got beaten next week. So now we're going to say, well, Utah, Utah sits atop the South. Are they the best team in the South? This is not an enviable position to be in. So what you're saying is watch out for Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's Probably exactly not. what I'm saying. Did you see the beatdown Colorado <laughs> yeah. put on Arizona? I did, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, so look out. <laughs> look out for the buffs. They're peaking, yeah. man. Just for Utah's they sake, hope they peak just, too early. <laughs> just at the right time, yeah. <laughs> That's how it goes. I think this is a good Utah football team and uh but but it's like it's not like a you know, a football a Utah football team that can go out and make a bunch of mistakes. It just just look what Arizona State did. I mean, that's a good football team. They were very physical at the line of scrimmage. They kind of beat people beat beat people up. They beat Utah up at the line of scrimmage in the first half. And then they, you know, they got 13 penalties in, in that football game, which is which is equal to probably a couple turnovers which in is, the game. And, and, and it's an unusually low number for the Sun Devils. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the state of Utah. Exactly. Absolutely. You yeah. are a way better audience for him. You give him a big old laugh, and I just look at him and cross my eyes and like, oh, come, come on. on if dude. you're not getting to 15, what is wrong with you people? Yeah. What well, lack of effort? I mean, we're going to be we're going to be running laps for that kind of effort. 13 penalties. We can do better than that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know why you're not in stitches all the time, DJ. I mean, he's a funny guy. I am. Exactly. Again. I am from getting beat up. <laughs> right. All those kind of stitches. Yeah. Right. I got you. Yeah. 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 So anyway, I I think that I think Utah's a good football team. Uh, not a perfect football team, but. I think they, you know, we've seen, they've seen what they can accomplish. And hopefully that's enough motivation to prepare well each week to go out and, and play the way you're capable of playing. Because if Utah does that, then there's no reason why they can't run through and, and win the division. So as a former quarterback, we know how you view the game. And the quarterback switch is obviously a big deal. It's obviously had a, 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 you know, a major impact on this season. But I know from talking to you off the air, too, as a quarterback, you look at the old line like, guys, could you not get me in stitches back here? And there were some huge mistakes being made early in the season, and it seems like that's all tightened up. There's no longer you know, two defensive tackles there to greet the running back as he gets the handoff. Why and how have they made such improvement, and do you think that continues? Yeah, I, I think what that tells you is that um, physic, physically, athletically, there was enough talent up front based on the last couple of performances that the talent was there that mostly it was an issue of either preparation or mental errors. 
and or some combination of that. So, you know, it's not that you couldn't make the step or the set or whatever you were supposed to do. It's that you just went the wrong way or you didn't do it correctly. So, um, so once you figure out that part of it, then the, then it's clear that Utah has the physical ability up front to, to make the plays. And I think that's, I mean, if I'm, if I'm trying to diagnose what happened, I think that would be the first place I would go is like, they, they, they either cleaned up their preparation um, or they cleaned up the mental mistakes they were making and, 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 and probably they, they, you know, they, they got the right rotation in there and Utah didn't start the same starting five for the, for the first three games. So they got the right rotation in there. So to me, that was, that was the big issue is cleaning up all the stuff above the shoulders. And once you did that, um, then the physical attributes could take over. Oh yeah, for sure. That's, that's a significant part of it that I think there's no doubt about it. As I look at this Oregon state team, chance Nolan is a, he's a capable quarterback, but the thing that jumps out at you is their running game. You know, they've got five guys, or what, four guys averaging five and a half yards per carry. B.J. Baylor is pushing 700 yards already, uh, nine t- touchdowns. So clearly we know what they want to do uh, as far as their offensive philosophy going up against Utah's defensive philosophy. And Kyle, you know, since uh, he came out of the room, they asked him, hey, what do you think about life? He says, you got to stop the run. I mean, that's the first stop thing. Stop the run. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. That's, was that his? Yeah, I mean, yeah. here, PK, here's what we should do sometime. I mean, we could do it on the air. People might not enjoy it. But we could. We need to make up the Ten Commandments of Kyle Whittingham. <laughs> And and that would be number you know commandment. Now shalt thou stop shalt the not, run. Shalt not allow the run game. Yeah. On this yeah, hang like all that. the football law and the football right. coaches. I mean that's that's he he preaches that. You play golf with them. Uh, what do you think? Got to stop the run, man. <laughs> Go out to get a yeah. bite to eat, lunch. What do you think? Got to stop the run. I mean, that's just got to stop the run, and I'll have a double cheeseburger. <laughs> that's what he's fries. about to the to the nth degree. <laughs> and it looks like you know I've seen Oregon State play a little bit, but obviously you just look at their statistics, and it just jumps out at you about them running the ball. How do you think that matchup is going to play out? It's a well. I like the matchup. I think Utah and Oregon State is a good matchup for for Utah. I don't know that. I mean, there's been some crazy games in Corvallis, so that's something I think to consider. There was there was one blowout game uh, that Utah played up there, but then there was a game uh, several years ago. I believe it was in the Travis Wilson era where Utah didn't throw the ball for a hundred yards in the game. Like I think they had. They, they definitely had under 100 yards passing and figured out how to win that game in, like, an overtime scenario. I mean, it's just – it's been a funny place for Utah to go play. So that is, that is something to consider. But I like the matchup. I, I mean, I, I think Nolan provides uh, – he's not a quarterback that uh, – I, I think Utah can manage him. And, and I think Utah's going to be forced into a situation because they're going to want to stop the run where you're going to see more man coverage in the defensive secondary because you want, you're going to get, want to get people closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, and I think all of that is manageable. It's not that Nolan can't hurt you downfield, um, but I don't think he's demonstrated that on a, you know, a very high percentage basis. So 
I like the matchup. Uh, I think Utah's going to have to take some take some risks in the secondary and you know put a bunch of people toward the line of scrimmage. Uh, and then again, it, I mean, it's the same thing we talk about every week. But you just it happens up front. You have to be disruptive at the line of scrimmage. If you let Oregon State get downhill in the run game, then you're just you're going to be in trouble. 242 yards per game is a huge number, and they're leading the conference by a wide margin. UCLA is second, and Oregon is third. So should we – I know you get the arc of a program, and the Utes have been good against the run for a long time. Do you have total confidence? Because they still have to play the top three rushing offenses in the conference here in the next six games. Have you got total confidence no, I, in their ability to handle these three, these three teams as they run the ball? Well, I mean – Total confidence, no. I, it's just like the any given Saturday scenario, and and those teams are good. They're talented, and and I said earlier, um, you know, after US Utah beat USC, I thought the next two uh, most difficult opponents on the schedule were going to be Arizona State and Utah. Figure out a way to get past Arizona State, and then UCLA uh, because because of UCLA's run game and because of their dynamic quarterback. And then Oregon, because Oregon has, I still think has, you know, amongst the best talent in the league. I'm not high on Oregon's quarterback play, so I don't put them as high as the others. Um, and, And then Oregon State fits right in there. Because Oregon State is physical at the line of scrimmage, they run the ball well, but I don't put them quite on the same level because they don't have the dynamic quarterback to deal with. So I think the quarterback position is more manageable. So to me, it, it kind of fit. I mean, this is, like, this is a classic matchup for Utah. This fits exactly what they want to try to do on the, on the defensive side against a really good running football team is, is our defensive philosophy to stop the run going to be better than your offensive ability to run the ball for almost 250 yards a game. Yes. Yeah. I would, I would agree on that completely. And that, that's what's going to be the aspect to watch. Uh, they got away with it against the Devils. They got away with it against Washington State. And that's the slow starts offensively. Uh, I just don't know how long they can c- continue to keep getting away with it, basically. So they've got to They've got to come out and be a little, little bit better early to me, or I think it might catch up to them at some point. It, it's always, I, I, I think it's always difficult to play from behind, and then that you know, there's something about learning how to play from behind. And Utah's given you know they've given themselves that lesson a couple times now, but then it becomes difficult. Like it, it's challenging, and and uh, and allowing a team to jump out ahead and gain that momentum, that is also challenging to overcome. So I think there's, you know, the ability for Utah to, to overcome a deficit, uh, we've, we've seen that. And so that tells you something about the football team, and that's, that's a positive. But, you know, it's really difficult to do that week after yeah. week. And plus after both week. of them were and, at home when they did that. Yeah, and, and by the way, I mean – Nothing against Utah's performance, but the ball did literally bounce their way a few times against Arizona State. I mean, it bounced right back into Cam Rising's hands, and then he ran it, you know, around the right end yep. um, on a on a broken play. Um, Arizona State dropped 
what half a dozen footballs on on catches that were very sh- should have been made, very reasonable catches to make, and would have extended drives. And so Utah was able to get out of drives on mistakes, and then and then the thirteen penalties. Now I I believe that Utah's pressure on the defensive side kind of forced those penalties. So I'm going to do kind of a half and half on that deal. But it, there still were thirteen penalties that that uh, were very meaningful in the game. So, um, so all of those factors combined, and then Utah played pretty well in the second half. All those factors combined to allow Utah to come back. Well, you know, let's if you get into a game like that against an Oregon State or UCLA or or Oregon, you know, are they going to have the drop balls? Are they going to have thirteen penalties? Are they going to, you know, make all these mental errors in the second half of the game? It's it's not likely. So. Playing from behind is difficult. I like that Utah has demonstrated the ability to come back and to, and to have the mental fortitude to win a game like that, but it's diff- it's challenging if you're going to do that each and every week. They're doing a better job of holding on to the ball, occasional uh, drop balls and good hops notwithstanding. But you go to Corvallis, it's supposed to be like 50 degrees and raining. How much faith do you have in the receivers catching it and the running backs holding on to it? Well, I I guess I would have more faith in uh, running backs holding on to it in in that type of scenario. We when you when when Utah used to play Air Force and the weather was bad, you just love that because when the ball's in the air and then you're trying to catch it on the on the option and then all of a sudden it's bouncing all over the field. I mean that was that was kind of the ideal scenario, but I don't see that happening in the run game for for Utah or or for for Oregon State, so uh, run game I think should be more, much more secure. But the passing game now that that may pose an issue, and a, you know a wet ball is the most difficult. Cold isn't isn't as difficult. Snow isn't as difficult. But a wet ball is the most difficult. It's slick. It's heavy. Um, the rotation on the ball is not the same. So. Uh, I think that is absolutely something that 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 Utah and and we'll have to consider as we as we go into this game against Oregon State is who's going to be able to manage the football turnovers are certainly are, are certainly going to play a, a role in the game. I think. Frank, we'll leave it right there. We appreciate the time, and we will talk to you again next week. Hey, absolutely. Thanks. I appreciate it, uh, PK. When you want to get get together and start putting down the Ten Commandments of Kyle Whittingham. I'll make myself available. Right. Thou loves cooking. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's probably, we could probably come up with like 20 commandments. Oh, yeah. Three three or four would be stopping the run, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can steal as long as you stop the run. Who cares? (laughs) Well, he's all about the takeaways. (laughs) Turnover margin is critical. Thou shalt not turn over the ball. I mean, that's a that's a huge. Thou shalt huge thou shalt well. get four and a score. Four and a score. Yeah, you know that's a good one too. So I'm sure we could come up with a with a quality list. Thanks, Frank. Thank you, guys. Great to talk to you. There is Frank Dolce, our Ute Insider. We love having Frank on every week. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next. 
Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Obviously, we, we have more experience. You always learn from those previous years. We try to use those, those losses as, as a lesson. And every year that we, we came up short in the playoffs, we were able to come back better the next year. And obviously, the next step for us is to be able to, to go past the second round and, uh, and try to get a chance to win the title. So I think we have a group that's as good as it's ever been, you know, and as uh, experienced as it's ever been. So it's going to be an exciting season for us. And so it begins. Rudy Gobert, the outlook for the 2021-22 season. Tips off tonight. Oklahoma City in town. Jazz and Thunder at 7 o'clock. Ready to go, PK? No. Okay. We're going to try and put that game on hold until PK is mentally prepared. Well, I got some jock straps that are coming in today, so I'll be ready to go by 7. Oh, sweet. As long as Amazon <laughs> guy hits the doorbell at 1 o'clock this afternoon, you'll be good to go. What do you mean, am I ready to go? Are you ready to go? Where am I going? Uh, <laughs> downstairs to your man cave to watch multiple games at the same time. Oh, just like I've done for the last 20-some years? See, you're ready to go. I've never not been ready. <laughs> Nothing's changed. You grew up in Jersey, baby. I think I'm... I don't have to be ready. They have to be ready. That's true. Rudy Gay is not ready. Out. Had the heel surgery. Trent Forrest still in concussion protocol. He is out. Eric Pascal dislocated a finger, but he is listed as probable. That's the Jazz injury report for the season opener. Somebody took me off the list. I used to get it. Oh, man. (laughs) He he literally walked in the other day. He's like, hey, by the way, I got taken off that list. (laughs) I guess I wasn't deemed worthy. I used to get it. I was on the text chain. You're uh, undesirable. But now I'm not. I'm not deemed worthy either. I was never on it. I was. I'd rather not be on it than somebody to have to make a conscious decision to take take them off. off. Because they made a conscious decision to put me on. Now somebody made a conscious decision to take me off. And it really peeves me. (laughs) Freedom has come my way. Freedom! (laughs) Give me a little uh, little William Wallace. Freedom! All right, more on the Jazz. Your predictions for this season. Hit us up on social media. We got the question up on Facebook. It's out on Twitter. David, DJ, James, DJ, and PK on Facebook, and we will get to that coming up right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Hashtag NBA. Giannis feeds a dangerous pass. Allen secures Uh-oh. it, feeds it back to Giannis, who glides down the lane and lays it in. They're going to get it with a foul, so send the freak flyer back to the line. Screen by Draymond Curry gets free for three. Got it! Curry with a free ball off a great pick by Draymond. But at the end of the day, our job is not to babysit somebody. Uh, you know, we you know, we get paid to we're just on the court, go on, uh, play hard, uh, win some games. Uh, that's all we get paid for. We don't get paid to come out here and, you know, try to babysit somebody. And, uh, so that's, that's not our job. And I'm sure my teammates feel that way. Joel Embiid right there dropping it's not our job to babysit anyone. An obvious reference to Ben Simmons suspended for tonight's opener, tossed from practice. It's going to be a distraction. That's two days in a row. Yak has opened this segment with a quote from the Sixers, a Sixer player about, hey, we're pros, we're getting paid, we got to go, we got to go win games. 
Yeah, Joel telling it like it is. Yep. Not here to babysit. Getting paid to go win games. Entertain people. Put butts in seats. I mean, they're so rich that they hire people to babysit the babysitters. <laughs> You're the foreman of the babysitting crew. Right. I mean, they, they just got obscene amounts of money, so they hire all pairs and and nannies. Ooh, and, yes. I don't even know what all pair is. I just I think it's a good. nanny. <laughs> huh. So, yeah, they, they don't ever have to babysit a day in their lives. They got enough money. They're going to hire a whole school of babysitters. There it is. Sacramento Kings center Marvin Bagley, his agent, Jeff Schwartz, ripping the Kings organization over the treatment of his client, former number two overall pick in the 2018 draft. On the eve of his final season under contract, Sacramento's informed Marvin Bagley he's not in the opening night rotation, which is completely baffling. It's clear they have no plans for him in the future. Well, if he wanted to further indict the franchise, the agent, he missed the golden opportunity, the trump card. 15 years, not in the playoffs? All the head coaches they've cycled through? No. If you want to rip the franchise for how inept they are, uh-huh. all you need to say, well, just look at them, man. They're not playing my guy. And they thought my guy was better than Luka Doncic. That's a bridge too far <laughs> for the agent. He had yeah. factually but, correct. But wouldn't that be the trump card to prove yeah, how right. stupid hey, the organization is? morons. I mean, they took my guy in front of Luka. I mean, what a bunch of idiots. Right. That That is conclusive proof that you guys are stupid. Right? You need no more. You thought Marvin Bagley was better. Sorry, Marvin. I mean, I would have taken John Bagley, Ben Bagley. Over. Ben Bagley. <laughs> Hi, Ben. Just have a heck of a radio personality slash producer. Yeah. An all-around good dude. Long-time friend. Yes. Uh, I would have taken Ben Bagley, John Bagley, old Boston College guard. Ben, what do you got? Range out to 12 feet? 15? 20? Now Marvin uh, has a, a brother who plays for the Sun Devils. I forget his first name, but I would I think it's Marcus. I think I would have taken him. I'll bet Ben could get his elbows up, clear some space. So if you want to if you want to indict the organization for stupidity, that was your trump card and you missed that great opportunity. Gosh, man, it only comes around once and then now it's gone. The games have begun. The champs won the first one. The Bucks beat the Nets 127-104. Oh, Yanni was in midseason form. <laughs> Look at DB on the TV. What a great day this is. I got DB talking about She's the best, man. There is nobody. She is just awesome when she calls the game. DB, I love DB. She and Tim Legler back to work on TV, breaking it down. DB. Giannis went for 32 points and 14 Yanni, rebounds. Yanni, he's midseason form. There it is. That's the midseason form PK is <laughs> ranting about. <laughs> By the way, he does this. He is not caffeinated. There has been no Coke Zero at this point of the day. You are high on life. <laughs> I'm like DB. Warriors beat the Lakers in L.A. 121-114. The Milwaukee game. Milwaukee had a big lead and the Nets made a run and got close, and then the Bucks pulled away. The Warriors, they trailed for about three quarters in that game. They're kind of hanging yeah, around. Exactly. They were never yeah. that far behind. No, they're eight down six, ten, eight, whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. A couple possessions. Then right. they dropped the hammer there early in the fourth, took the lead, yeah. and didn't let them have it back. Now, you know that you're an insider and you, you got it going on in your crib if you call him Russ. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. So, anybody, you listen today, anybody calls him Russ, you know, that person's got it going on. Russ. I will stay with the more formal Russell Westbrook. No, no, so no one Russ. thinks I have it going on. It's Russ. Well, no, you don't have to worry about that. That's another issue. 
But, uh, you know, Russ. Russ can't shoot. Russ, uh, You gave sw- me the Jeff Schwartz right there. That was a bridge too far. You didn't have to do that. Yeah, but again, both is true. <laughs> uh, no Luka Doncic. I'm going to call him square peg from now on. Square peg, round hole, Westbrook, yeah. talented, but just doesn't fit with the Lakers. Right, because it is a round hole that you got to put the ball through, and he shoots it like a square peg. I was watching that game, Reggie Miller. Said, oh, man, they've got two Hall of Famers coming in. Uh, Carmelo, Mello, of course, you got to call him Mello, that major hip. And then Rajon Rondo. Is Rajon Rondo a Hall of Famer? According to Reggie Miller, he was. I raised the left eyebrow on that. Yeah, borderline. I, I don't would, know. I don't think he I is think borderline. Could no, uh, on the Basketball Hall of Fame. There's some There's some Rondos in the Basketball Hall of Fame, aren't there? I don't I'm with know. you. I don't think he is, but... I wouldn't think he's borderline. He's the most important aspect of basketball. But they got... In they got, basketball, they got, you got to be able to shoot. They got Mello and Russ, so there's two Hall of Famers coming in. Right, but he... Right, and then Russ Rondo would be starts. He's talking about... Oh, he meant coming bench. in off the bench. Yeah. Oh, as opposed to coming into the organization. Got it. Nets guard James Harden telling reporters the franchise has nothing to worry about when it comes to him not signing a contract extension with the Nets after the deadline hit on Monday. Monday night, he says, honestly, I'm focused on getting healthy, getting my body right, and preparing for a great season. The contract money is going to be there. I don't plan on leaving this organization and the situation we have, so my focus, honestly, is just focus on the season, winning the championship, the contract, and all that stuff will bear itself out. My focus is going to be locked on this season. Hmm. That's a thing for you guys. Locked on this season. <laughs> Go ahead, set that up. Make I'm some money. Use it. I'm going to use it. Locked on this season. That's just general. More cash for the Locke family. Ka-ching! <laughs> DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Only I know how my body feels. And if anyone questions whether, you know, I'm hindering the team and going out there injured, that's just not right. So it's my decision. I get to say, you know, whether I'm able to play or not, and that's just how it is. Baker Mayfield preparing to play tomorrow against the Broncos. He got the Thursday game. He wants to avoid season-ending surgery. He's got a torn labrum in his non-throwing shoulder. So only he gets to say? <laughs> Donnie Basketball would like that. Donovan Mitchell. Good point. <laughs> a trainer, a doctor, a GM, they all might have a say. Donovan was not happy about sitting out game one of the playoffs. And I was furious. Ravens Pro Bowl offensive tackle Ronnie Stanley undergoing season-ending surgery on his left ankle, second straight year. The Ravens off to a great start, but now 17 players on injured reserve. 5-1 and one is good. There's a long way to go. Probably more injuries and more guys headed to injured reserve. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Washington State's acting head coach, Jake Dickert, says his immediate focus in his new role is is providing support and stability for the players after Nick Rolovich and four assistants were fired. My number one job today and going forward is that our young people have fear, doubt, and uncertainty in their minds, and my job is to replace that with faith, trust, and belief. It's like Bronco. I think those three words are the cornerstones of any program, of of any real culture. Oh, you love culture. Put those those words on the banners on the sides of the stadium. Faith, trust, and belief. 
tradition, spirit, honor. Yeah. Three things I despise. Faith, who, and what? Faith, trust, and belief. Right now it's fear, doubt, and uncertainty. He's going to replace those. FTB, man. I would I would also put touchdowns. Dabo Sweeney. He ain't going nowhere. Clemson coach. Only Death Valley he's going is right where he's at. Not well, the one over by Baker. Clemson is the only Death Valley I'm concerned <laughs> with. Got three Death Valleys. Clemson is Death Valley. LSU is Death Valley. And then you got Death Valley off I-15 in the middle of the desert. So Dabo. Not interested yeah, in moving why, to LSU. Why, why would he go there? Yeah, that, that's lateral. Unless they're going to throw him $25 million or something. Yeah. No point. He's, 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 he's a king a of a mediocre conference. Yes. Why go there why and go to bang the your S- head? <laughs> go to the SEC West and Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma coming in, yeah. yeah. And then obviously Presume that Alabama and Auburn will move to the other division. But. Well, but still. Still, he's it's got a battle loaded. Him. Right. As opposed to... I mean, he's, they've got all kinds of issues on offense, but it's mid-October and they're still in the conference title race. So, American Athletic Conference has received applications from six schools that want to join the conference. Florida Atlantic, Charlotte, North Texas, UTSA, Rice, and Alabama-Birmingham, UAB. I'm surprised Corner Canyon didn't put in and call your boys down there. Get, get a thing going on. Uh, down air, by the way. Uh, yeah, I mean, come on. AAC, going into Florida and Texas all in, hoping to recruit and build up some more programs. I'm getting down with AAC. Do you know me? They've got to replace Houston and Cincinnati, who've taken off for the Big 12, along with UCF. And BYU. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. And a fly ball to right center field. It's well hit, and it is gone. A three-run home run for Bellinger. We've got a new game. It's tied at five. And Bradley lines it toward right center field. That's down for a base hit. Here comes Guriel. He scores. Castro scores. Altuve around third coming home. He scores as well. And the Astros lead it 6-2. to two. Big innings for the Dodgers. They were in trouble. Down 5-2. It was getting late. They were looking at a 3-0 deficit. But Cody Bellinger hits a three-run homer to tie the game. Mookie Betts drives in the go-ahead run. It turns out to be the winner in a 6-5 victory. Dodgers now two games to one. Down two games to one in the NLCS. Yeah, man, that was very dramatic. Looking like they were left for dead. You go down 3-0. And, you know, your chances of coming back are very, very slim. Whereas 2-1 is a whole new ball game as far as the series goes. He gets a high fastball over that Jackson kid. Funny how they can do this these days. Uh, Within minutes I saw it was the second highest pitch that he's ever hit a home run off of. How do you do that? (laughs) He's hit like uh, what, like 140 home runs if you count the uh, postseason ones? Something like that. There's a database, clearly, with every one of his homers and the location of it. And you can see the pitch. I was watching the game, and it was high, and he got on top of it, and, man, he just drove that thing out there, and then Taylor gets the single and steals and bets. who's a big-time player himself. Away they go. 
It was it was Bell- an awesome game. Bellinger not only did not have a good year, he had a bad year, but playoffs tops a regular season in all sports. It makes him when it matters. Yep. Yeah, he's got it going on, man. He's been good in the postseason. Second biggest home run in my lifetime for the Dodgers. Boston. Up 2-1 in the first with a chance to extend the lead in the second, in the third, in the fourth, in the fifth. Runners in scoring position. Couldn't get them home. Houston ties it in the eighth at 2-2 and then seven on the board in the ninth to win 9-2. So the ALCS is now two games apiece. Yeah. Pivotal game five coming up. Boston had their chances. Couldn't open up a bigger lead there. Astros, Red Sox, you know, game, go game five, three o'clock on FS1 today. Braves and Dodgers tonight, six o'clock on TBS. Jason Castro got that pinch hit signal to give him the lead, and the floodgates opened. And he's a Stanford kid, played at Stanford. And what, what's ironic, Jason Castro, he was born in the Castro Valley. Really? Yeah. Live you know, and learn. You know, out there east of Oakland and all yeah, the Yeah, I there. know. I've yeah. driven it many times. Yeah, I think and, the 580 runs through the Castro and. Valley. His last name is Castro, and he's born in the Castro Valley. There it is. Thing of beauty. That's maybe, ironic. Maybe his family owned that valley. That valley I know you can't little, own a valley. A little bit of money. Now it's all divvied up, sure, but at some point. I mean, like, like uh, what's his face? Uh, who's the NC State coach who dies of cancer? Valvano. Mm-hmm. He, he, his, his mother, they said, hey, Ma, you know, and they call you Ma back there. Ma, I got, I got a job coaching. Uh, where? I own a university. How can you own a university? What do you mean, I own a university? My, you're just a basketball coach. Don't tell me you own a university. What you is- can I own? I'm not done. You can own a university, but can you own a valley? I don't know. Had a David Locke moment there. Heard a pause. Did not allow for the bigger pause. What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, mental performance coach, will join us at 8 o'clock. Barry Trammell, sports columnist for the Oklahoma and NewsOK.com at 8.30. Our Big 12 guy. Finally, our Big 12 brethren after all these years. And he'll talk Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma City Thunder for the opener. All right, DJ and PK, that's what's on tap for this morning. The question of the day for you jazz fans, the season opener tonight. We will get to that next. Stay with us. The new zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 7. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time for Hot Takes Your Toast, brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair? It's 2021, and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment, or visit www.utahairmd.com. Question of the day, all about the jazz and the season opener tonight. And, by the way, heads up. 
We're going to be giving away 10 pair of jazz tickets today. And it starts at 8.35 this morning. You've got an hour and seven minutes till the first qualifier. And then we'll be doing it every hour. Well, it won't be a qualifier. It'll be actual tickets. So tickets every hour at 35 minutes after the hour, all morning long, all afternoon long, all day long, right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Question of the day. Jazz going to do it this season? You feeling it? Is this the year? Oh, I'm pumped, man. I also put that. How pumped are you? Yep. What's your level of pumped upness? Chase says, nope, never will. We had a day with Stockton Malone. The squad is very good, but doesn't have the it factor. Oh, it does too. Donnie basketball has the it factor. I can argue he has, has the, the it, it factor, factor more than, than those two. two. Yeah. He do, as one of them might say. <laughs> well, that wasn't John, was it? <laughs> John's doing his own research. <laughs> I really believe in this young fellow, his basketball talent, and his whatever you want to call it, that so-called it factor that we reference quarterbacks. If you transfer it to the basketball court, I, I really believe Mitchell has it. And I'm not saying it. I don't, especially now. I don't have to say it anymore. Uh, I'm saying it because I believe it. Absolutely, I believe it. I've seen it, man. East Coast kid attitude. Uh, you know, he went from he he would play basketball in New York City. I don't know if you folks know that. I've heard that. <laughs> and there's a specific McDonald's that apparently has a lot of the family's money. Made a few stops there on the drive. <laughs> I got rich people always have to establish. Yeah, and I've been over there too. Hey, you're rich. Just roll with it, man. What's wrong with that? <laughs> the view is much better over there than it is here. You can throw every ingredient into the air, examining and re-examining every one of them, Paul says. You can pontificate and sound as smart as you want. In the end, you and me and a thousand know-it-alls were just guessing. Apparently, that's a Gordon Monson quote. Being recycled by Paul William Thurston. Dash GM. Or maybe he's quoting an NBA GM. Maybe there's somebody else. But mm, yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, you could say that because no one can predict the future, that to an extent everyone is guessing on everything. Will we be here tomorrow? I guess so. But that's a guess. Right. So if you look at it from that perspective, but yet at the same time, you know, when someone tells me Trevor Bauer won't pitch for the Dodgers again this year, and I tell you that at the time, and he didn't pitch for the Dodgers this year, and I and they kept saying his suspension is going to be extended a week. It's oh going to be gosh. extended a week. It's I read that. In, a week. I read that in what is trending every Wednesday, <laughs> yeah. and another week. And I had somebody that I know tell me he's done, right. and he's likely done forever. That's someone who had access to the infer- to that, yeah, yeah, the yeah. organization. So that's that's not a guess. And I kept saying for weeks. I know I'm not a national guy, and I didn't tweet it because I was told specifically do not tweet this out. BYU's going to the Big 12. It will happen. When will they announce that? (laughs) I wasn't sure on the exact date, but, uh, you know, I didn't tweet it out, so it wasn't there, and I wasn't a guest on somebody else's show, but I said it for weeks that it was going to happen, so there are things that you don't guess on, but if you're talking about outcomes of games, you know, to a large extent, if all things being equal... Yeah, but all things aren't equal. Well, but see, I think they are in the NBA. So Utah's going to beat Arizona football. Right? That's not a guess. 
<laughs> I mean, they're down to their third team quarterback. Unless the, you said a, just a slew of injuries between now and November and, 13th. Right? And there you go. And that's what happened in the NBA last year. There were a slew of injuries. Which is so we, and, why and the, it's... Probably will be this year, which is why it's a it's a guess. I think this team is really good. I can tell you right now, the Ravens are really good, but they got 17 guys on injured reserve already, and it's a violent game, and we don't know who's going to be running out there for them in November, December, and January. And now the Super Bowl's well, the in February. The funny thing about the legends of the NBA, yeah, they don't get hurt when it matters the most. Maybe occasionally. But that's why they're the great ones, because they get out there and they've got the hardware to back it up. Not every single season, because you don't need every single season. Oh, that's true. You're actually going to fail in terms of winning yes, titles but Magic, more than not. Magic got hurt in the finals, and he's a legend of the game. Right. So, so occasionally it's going to happen. Does. But to say this year I know who's going to be healthy. I mean, LeBron's been healthy enough. He's a legend of the game, and he's got four titles. So but the Lakers weren't healthy last year. Fine. I don't know that they were good enough either. I don't either. So, I mean, so the injuries the, may not have mattered a lick. The Lakers, the Clippers, and the Nuggets can all say we were really good, but we were hurt. And maybe, great, you can say that all. But I'm talking about, you can pick out an individual season. Well, yeah, but we're talking but, about But, but Donnie season. Basketball is not going to be defined by an individual season. No, he's not. He's going to be defined by 12 to 15 to 18 year career, right. whatever he wants. So he's going to have his time. He will have his time. And shots. he'll prove... How great he is. He may be injured in a particular year, and last year he had half of a toe or a leg or whatever it was, ankle, whatever the injury was. Ankle. And he still managed to play. That's what the great ones do. They that's, don't tell you about the injury. That's They the just attacker. go out and play. I'm going to score 39 on one leg. That's what the in- – and that's so exaggerated. <laughs> one leg is so ridiculous. Uh <laughs> So know, I'm, not, trying, I'm not worried about injuries. But this year, we're trying to figure out who's going to do it. It doesn't matter if they get it next year. year. Who cares? You're right. It doesn't. So, uh, but I but don't we're f- not talking about next year. And nor am I talking about injuries. But we're talking about this year. Right. And, and so their chances are just as good as anybody else's. That's a true story. So when you're predicting games, by nature, it's a guess. But yet, it's more than a guess. No one is saying Sacramento, man. I think they're going to catch fire. No one at <laughs> this time last year said Phoenix, for that matter. Uh, and they got it going on. Now we'll see. They didn't offer eight in the max, and he's hurt, and blah, 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 blah. Well, go freaking prove it instead of pouting, man. My goodness. I can't tell you how many times I got metaphorically kicked in the teeth job-wise. You roll over and die and pout. Meanwhile, while you're making millions, because I'm not making more millions, and I'm disrespected, shut up. You're 22, 23 years old, and you've been nothing but inconsistent in your three or four years in the league, and somehow you're entitled to $200 million? Wow. Talk about perspective. Go down to the Christmas box down here, uh, south of Salt Lake here, and go talk about perspective. I've been in that place. Oof. Yeah, shut up. So sick of that, these whiners. Go earn it then and prove that uh, that you're a Max guy. Sure, they did the right thing by lighting a fire on him. See what he's got. Does he... Does he Ben Simmons pout, or does he get it together, and I'll show them a la Kobe Bryant? What do you got? Put that chip on your shoulder. Yeah. Take some people out and make them pay. Yeah, exactly, precisely. And I think we've seen that with Mitchell. Kid's got it. I believe in his, I believe in his ability. I believe in his it factor. Whatever you define as a great basketball player, I believe he has it. And can he lead these guys? 
I think he can. Will it be this year? I don't know. You never know. You can't know. So, yeah, there's somewhat of a guess. But I, I look at it all things being equal. I'm not going to worry about injuries. Because then at, things aren't equal. Yeah. If your team gets gutted. And then you'll, you'll deal with that as it comes. Uh, but for now, they're ready to go. He's ready to go. And he, he wants to be an all-time player, too. You don't grow up in the New York area wanting to be average. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> and he came from big affluence. And there's no doubt about that. He did. Good for him. I didn't. I came from janitors. Uh, and I've carried that every day. And he's managed to carry a chip. Maybe because he isn't tall enough or whatever it is. I don't know. But whatever, for whatever reason, I believe he's got it. And I believe he can carry this. He's going to get better, too. He has been getting better, so there's no reason to doubt that he would be a little better this year. Right. Add, add one or two more things. 25 years old. I believe he can get better for three more years. And then he's probably, that's who he is, which is awesome. He's awesome now. And he'll get more respect, too. So he'll get more foul calls and all that. Because if you don't know who he is, then you don't know the league. And the referees know who he is. And it's an entertainment-based league. So you certainly won't have him go to Portland and, and have him get two fouls right off the bat and have to sit on a bench. Is this the Jazz year? Robert says they got a 7% chance. It's 1 in 14. Now, there's not 14 teams that I would consider have a shot. Six. And I'm listening to stuff yesterday, and I'm listening to, I got the satellite in the radio in the car, and I'm listening to, flicking around, mm-hmm. uh, Fox Sports, ESPN, blah, 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 all these. I mean, there's a bunch of channels I don't even know. NBA has a, their own channel. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about contenders, and every single one of these guys, or women, whoever it might be, they're, they're putting Utah in the, in the category. So it's there. They've achieved... Uh, Randy Rigby used to talk about this. Championship caliber team. That was his phrase, if I recall. Right? Because you can't guarantee. And that, his goal, all those years as Jazz president, was to put a team that was title caliber. And they are. That's what they got right now. How many teams have done that? Bucks, Nets. This, this year, you're speaking of. Yeah, this year. How Exclusively many? Because yeah, year? yeah, you're 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 in the pool. You're in the mix, but so are the Nets. So yeah. are the Bucks. Fine. So are the Jazz. So are the Suns. I I focus more on the West because if you don't get out of the West, then it doesn't matter. You know, let those those guys over there sort themselves out, and you know, you'll play who you play if you get that far. But to me, in the West. There's two, if you want to go by divisions, there's two in the West, or Northwest, the Nuggets and the Jazz, uh, and then the Pacific, uh, Lakers, potentially Clippers, outside shot Warriors, see where Clay Thompson is in a few weeks, months. And then in the Southwest, nobody. Not happening. Everybody loves Lucas' game. I'm the, right there with you. Dallas is the best team there. Houston, San Antonio. New Orleans and Memphis. Yeah. Memphis is an emerging team, but, you know, there's... Not yet. They're emerging, they're emerging as a playoff team. 
Uh, see what they do. They're going to have to get better. Uh, same with Dallas. And, and, and Doncic is a phenomenal ball player. Love watching him play. Everybody does. So what do I got? Five? You got five in the West. If you put the Warriors in there as your fifth team. Yeah. And that's sort of on the outside because they've got an ace in the hole coming back. A really good ball player. And see where he's at uh, in, in that way. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to – you never rule out a winner until that winner's done. So what are they? They're the college version of the partial conference member? You don't completely believe in them, but you don't want to rule them out either. Right, because they've won it. The nucleus of that team has won it. They know how to do it. So until they're done, it's like LeBron every year. I'm not going to rule out LeBron until he literally gets that fourth loss. Draymond had that quote yesterday. How much of that is spin and how much do you think he's telling the truth? As far as? Oh, we're good. But we're a long way from winning the championship. Now, maybe they can traverse that long way and guys get better over the course of the season. I don't know what traverse means. It's a mountain down there when I drive on I-15. That's all I know. It says right there. Traverse. You went to the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism. speak and write. You have the vocabulary. But I don't use it. Yes, of course I have They can climb the mountain. (laughs) The Traverse Mountain. (laughs) Uh, I know. I think he's accurate. Well, one of the key pieces isn't there. He was sitting right. on the bench. And young guys are going to have to grow in their roles. Because guys who helped them win those championships, uh, they, weren't the, they weren't the stars, no, but they were the I core mean, Sean of the Sean Livingston, team. sure. Yeah, Gone. and Iguodala. Well, but Iguodala's there. But he's not what he was when they won. Well, nobody is. Somebody's going to have to pick up that portion of the load. Yeah, I don't know. He had a small, I guess that first one he did, and he had a big role. So, yeah, you're right. Okay, I'll go with that. Sure. Dallas says, same old jazz. Get our hopes up, then playoff time rolls around. That's just life in the NBA. I mean, regardless of whether you agree with the teams that we're listing here, there's five, six, seven, wherever you want to put the number, teams with a chance to win it all. More teams are going to be disappointed that are going to win it. Yeah, but you're talking about this team. And you were talking about the same nucleus year after year. I think this nucleus is different because I think Mitchell is more clutch than the statues. And that gives you an edge in the inevitable one or two possession game. Now, if we could rewrite history, Stockton, I believe, was big-time clutch. It's just he didn't shoot enough. If he played today, he'd be averaging 20-some points a game because the three-pointer would be – they would demand it. If he was coached by Quinn Snyder and he kept coming down looking over at the bench, yeah, he wouldn't – Snyder wouldn't give him one four down. He'd be giving one up (laughs) if you get my drift. (laughs) I think we do. (laughs) Go. Let's go, man. Yeah, get going. You got the three. What a phenomenal shooter he was. You got it. You take it, brother. I'm taking you out. I mean, Quinn Snyder has certainly made that apparent enough, right? Jeez. I mean, Jordan Clarkson shoots in one possession, then John Stott shot in a month, practically. Mike Poso, shortest backcourt ever. No title. Jeremy says, quick, name a championship team with two six-foot-tall starting guards. Jerry West and Gail Goodrich. Well, that took us back 
50 years. You, you didn't say there was a timeline. You said, name me a time. There it and is. And I named you a time. And the Bucks just won for the first time in 50 years. The symmetry would be awesome. What the hell are you talking about? The Bucks won it in 71. How's that they won symmetrical? What does it mean? 50 years. It's a nice round number, and it just paid off last year. 50 years since the small backcourt, because the <laughs> Lakers won in 72. I don't remember when they won. I just know they won. And I know those are two Hall of Fame players. I don't remember it, but I know they won. I don't want to hear about that. That makes it all the sweeter. And the games change, the rules change. So the fact that a lot of teams haven't done it, well, I the thought rules we're going were small. I thought small matters. Rudy Gobert. Some people don't believe he has a place. You know, the true center, small Bob Lanier, wouldn't make it in the league anymore. Come on, don't give me excuses on this morning of the day of the first game. I want to come in here and be happy and peppy, and these people bring me down. DJ and PK, remember, we've got jazz tickets we're giving away every hour, 35 minutes after the hour, starting at 8.35 this morning through 5.35 tonight. Your chance to win tickets. We're giving away 10 pairs of tickets to see the jazz and the thunder in the season opener tonight. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's another Pac-12 road trip for Utah as Kyle Whittingham and the Utes head to the Pacific Northwest to battle Oregon State in Corvallis. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 4.30 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Football Fridays are presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes. Yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. Got people weighing in on the start of the season. How pumped are you? Carlton says, not sure. Only thing I know is I won't be able to watch because I'm not forking out $60 a month for another streaming platform. Okay. Your call. D Charger T says, I'm not pumped until football is over. So what football? Because that we got February... Like February twelfth, so that Super Bowl has been pushed back another week. It yes, is, yeah. I think the Super Bowl literally is. Uh, well, I think it's like uh, February thirteenth, technically. It's, yeah, it's gonna be February thirteenth yeah. this year. So at that point, the next week is the All Star break. The calendar is the same, our traditional now back for the NBA, right? So they take a week off there around President's Day, and that's actually beyond the All Star break because I think the NBA has its All Star break to wait until football's over. The middle of the season is usually what? Uh, end of January? Yep. Yeah. But you so, don't need your all-star break competing with the NBA playoffs. NFL playoffs. But NFL yeah. playoffs, sorry, yes. Uh, right. So the and NBA that, delays it a little bit. That's fine. And then, then it sets up the stretch run. And that's what we, when they come back after the all-star break, we, that's what we define as the stretch run in the NBA. And the trade deadline has happened, and buyouts usually are pretty much done at that point, and away we go. 
uh, for the final two months of the season. So that's too long to wait, unless he means college, which effectively is only five more weeks. Unless you get in the playoff of your own conference playoff and then the national playoff. And if you're not in that, then well, they play a bunch of bowl games, but they don't really have any consequence. You might have a game or two in December, depending on how your season goes. You can have a conference title game. The conference title game means something, yeah. And the Aggies and Utes right now are thinking, we got a shot. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, yeah, beyond a shot. Actually, for both of them, a, a strong chance. Uh, see how that plays out. But, yeah, so I don't know. It, it's too long to wait if you're talking NFL. College, I suppose I could live with it more. Because effectively, your season is done the weekend of Thanksgiving, unless you play the following week. Then, of course, that's a big game that only involves two teams uh, for uh, each uh, eight, nine, whatever conference title games we have out there. Uh, No, I don't want to wait that long. Maybe, I don't think I put it on the back burner. I think it's just, it has divided attention until then. Here locally, speaking for ourselves and what we do, it has divided attention until we get into December and then certainly when we come back for the new year there's two things that I think we've got going on and it's NFL playoffs and NBA regular season and it's go time yeah Dave Allred the former PR guy for the Jazz back in the 90s used to say that the interest in tickets really picked up after January 1st that that is when people really got into it December, there's a lot of stuff going on. And yeah, there's some college football and there's NFL and you got work parties and holiday travel plans or family coming in or whatever. He said January 1. He says also, because it also establishes you're 30 games in and you're separating contenders from pretenders. And you can see, hey, you got a good team. Oh, hey. Who else is good? They got a good team. I can already see it. I don't need 30 games to say, hey, you got, you got a, good a good team. team. I can already see it. I said to myself just this morning as I was. Hey, you hey, got a good team. You got a good team. Yes. <laughs> hey, now. You're an all star. Uh, yes, I believe they got two, maybe three. Ryan is super excited. Donovan Mitchell is a hopeful MVP candidate. Rudy Gobert is DPOY again. And Clarkson or Ingles will be the sixth man of the year. Quinn's going to get coach of the year. First place in the West and the NBA championship is inevitable. Well, that's uh, obviously a little bit of sarcasm there. It's best case scenario. Quinn has coached himself out of contention for coach of the year. You got to have big improvement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not going to have a big turnaround now. Right. <laughs> Already winning 70% of your games, so right. you're yeah. not going to win 90% of right. your games. Yeah, so he's he's too good to win that award, which doesn't make sense, but that's the that's way it is. The way, yeah, yeah, that's the way it happens. So uh, remove that. And I, I, I would put Gobert in MVP conversation, too. So I think they have two players in MVP conversation. All right, DJ and PK, hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James, Facebook, DJ and PK. We'll get more of your response to the opening of the season. Barry Trammell, sports columnist for the Oklahoma and NewsOK.com, will join us coming up at 8.30 to talk jazz and thunder and maybe a little Big 12 as well. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, is next. Stay with us.
DJ PK, it's time to bring in Riley Jensen for his weekly visit. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah being a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of the Save Now Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Riley, good morning. What's up, you sorry dudes? Need you to look into the future. We got... The Utes, the Cougars, the Aggies, all either four and two or five and two. They have all suffered back to back losses. They've all had impressive wins. You believe in any one or possibly more than one of these teams to to win out and be ten and two through twelve games, which is that's a great record. That's a great season. And for the Aggies and for the Utes, it would put them in their conference title games. Is anybody capable of that, or are they probably going to drop another disappointing game or two down the stretch here? Well, it's, uh, that, that's a that's a really nuanced question, and and I think if, if if I knew that, I'd probably go to Vegas and put some skittles on some things. But um, I think I think right now, if I was looking at the momentum of of those three teams that you're talking about, I, if there was any team that could do it right now, I feel like it's the University of Utah. I feel like I feel like they're back on track. Especially with the front seven, both offensively and defensively, I feel like they've really kind of got back to University of Utah football. And then I think Cam Rising, uh, you know, with the exception of that that first half last game, he's just gotten better and better um, during the year. And I, I I think there's good things to come for the Utes. Um, I'm hopeful for Utah State right now that they're going to be able to. Uh, <laughs> continue to be the cardiac kids, I guess, and make Utah State fans worried every single game, whether it's UNLV or whether it's Air Force or whether it's Boise State, and then and then come back hard in the second half to win. And then BYU, they've just they've really got to get uh, some of those guys back on the offensive line. They've got to get back to their identity that was kind of out Utahing Utah at the first of the year, where they don't turn the ball over, where they're where they're dominating on the offensive and the defensive line, but but right now, that feels like a stretch. That feels far away because Baylor absolutely ran all over them, and they weren't able to run the ball like they've been able to against Baylor. But I do think Baylor's the best team they've played. So, man, it's 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 a whole smorgasbord of thoughts, and 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 if this, then that. As far as the Utes go, for the psychological aspect of their team and thinking that they're really good and have a lot of confidence going forward, would you rather have them blown out the Sun Devils like they did in the second half or have that game be the way it was and so you're down by two scores so then you blow them out in the second half and the reason why I would say that maybe you would want that is because if you get down at some point you're not going to blow out the rest of your opponents but when you get down at some point you know that you can come back because you already did it. Yeah, I think uh, look, look, confidence isn't a static state, right? It's, it's fleeting. It's, it's almost like our feelings or like our thoughts. Like it comes into our mind and it can go away in an instant. So in some ways, confidence is a little bit overrated. You got to be able to know that you can compete with your B and your C and your D game and still win. And so that's what I like about the win for the University of Utah. I don't, I don't feel like that was a perfect game. I don't feel like it was, you know, the, the most, the, the best that they've ever played. But it certainly was in the second half, and it was very telling that they were able to come back. And you, and you do want your team to know that hey, 
even if you're not playing well in the first quarter, the second quarter, it's not too late to come back and to play really, really good football. So, yeah, I think it's a confidence boost. I think, I think what you have to know when when you're when you're trying to form yourself into a good football team is that there's going to be ugly wins. There's going to be days where you don't play as well as you thought you would. Not everything comes together, and and you have to be proud of the fact that you can win ugly. And I think that I think that bodes well for the University of Utah. Oregon State's four and two, leading the conference in rushing. How much confidence do you have in the Utes for, in this game this week on the road? Well, it's an interesting place to play. I've been I've been up there to Corvallis before. Um, there's been there's been some some times in Oregon State's history where they've been able to upset really really good teams, and I and I still feel like if if Oregon State were to beat the University of Utah, that that would be an upset. Um, I feel like the run defense for the University of Utah, I mean, you hope that it's shored up. It, it certainly seems a lot better than what it has been. And if they can if they can take away the run, I mean, this is typical Kyle Whittingham football, right? If they can take away the run game, they can play solid in special teams and then put together enough points to win, then I think they can win on the road. The, the, the thing that worries me about, you know, road trips. It's not necessarily the crowd. It's not necessarily like the fanfare, like how many how many people are in the seats and, and that kind of stuff. It's more about like how does your schedule go up there and are you able to replicate the schedule up there like you do at home and can you sleep on a bed that's maybe not as comfortable as normal and can you can you deal with the distractions of being on the road a little bit differently than at home? And so, you know, it takes it takes a mature bunch. And right now, I feel like the University of Utah is really maturing into themselves. You can see that these guys are much more close-knit, um, you know, unfortunately because of a tragedy on the team. But they're, they're definitely playing for each other right now. How much of the fact do you think that the Pac-12 is just crazy week to week can bring more into focus because there's no reason to think the Utes have got this because last week the Sun Devils had it, and before that the Bruins had it, and now it's the Utes' turn. So with that in mind, uh, man, you cannot take anything for granted here because you think you have it, but you really don't. Well, I think it's, I think it's great motivation for a coach, right? Like I, I'm sure, and I'm sure you've talked to him because I know you guys are tight. Best <laughs> buds. Coach Whittingham, I'm sure, is using this as motivation, right? Like, hey, just because we're now in the front seat, this is what happened to UCLA. This is what happened, you know, and Oregon fell backwards, and Stanford had a chance, and Arizona State had a chance. It, it, is, it is nice to be able to motivate your guys because, number one, you need to make sure your team shows up every week. And number two, you don't know which team's going to show up in the Pac-12 because you might get a Stanford team, you might get an Oregon State team that plays some of their best football this weekend, right? And and maybe that was something that you weren't ready for, you hadn't seen on film yet. So, yeah, I think it's great motivation. Coaches love to use that kind of stuff. They love, they love to use that kind of, you know, push that kind of button to help motivate these guys to keep them focused and to keep them concentrated on, on this game here this week. So Washington State's got possibly the distraction to end all distractions. The coach and four assistants getting fired mid-season. They're four and three. You already brought up the the Cougars' problem stopping the run and running the ball. How much faith do you have in BYU at Wazoo? 
Well, I think, I mean, I, they really haven't used at Washington State. And I don't, you know, it's 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 such a mess up there. I, I can't even imagine like really being able to focus um, as a Washington State team. However, sometimes this can galvanize a team and just say, hey, all we got is us. Like all we have is us guys in this room. We can't can't count on who's going to be our coach. We can't count on anything else. So we're going to play for each other. But if I if I'm looking at it, you know, they, they haven't really used Max Borgie the way that I would think that they would use him. There's been a couple of games this year where he only gets six carries, and he's supposed to be a guy that can really do some some you know some really good things like Christian McCaffrey type stuff. And I don't think they use the run game well enough up there. They've got a variation of the run and shoot. I think it, I think it bodes well for uh, BYU this week to get back on track. I think Utah State was able to run the ball on Washington State at certain points during the game, and I think BYU's running game is better than Utah State's right now. And so I think I think BYU gets back on track. I think this is a, a chance for them to get healthy and to feel some confidence again. And I think. You know, I think Jaron Hall's just going to get better. I think I think this team, yeah, they have a, they've had a couple of games where they've been humbled a little bit, but that will get your attention as a player because you don't want to continue to slide. How about the fact that the Washington State Cougars have won three games in a row? Can they overcome this situation and not worry about on the sidelines? Worry about what's going on on the field? Well, well, you hope so. If you're a Washington State team, I mean, there was some momentum going there. I think. I think uh, they were they were feeling good. I mean, they obviously with the Utah State loss, that didn't feel good at the first of the year. They seemed to be focused and concentrated on some things. Some of the distractions were at a minimum. But man, I this this is a big deal, and this is this is something that's going to be continued to be asked to these players, to these to to the to the temporary coaches and the interim coaches. This, this is something that's going to be a distraction for the rest of the year. This first week being in it, everybody's asking questions. Everybody's texting guys. Everybody's trying to figure out what's going on. And I think it's just hard to focus on your opponent at that point. I mean, they are at home. Hopefully, hopefully they can play some good football. But man, I just I feel like BYU. This is a real good chance for them to get back on track and and do what they need to do to get their season uh, some momentum going back for their season. I don't know what was more surprising, their inability to stop the run or their inability to run the ball. How much do you think the running the ball is offensive line injuries? I know Kalani's talked about depth, and they certainly have it at some positions. I think it's not debatable they have it at some positions, but do they have enough of it on the O-line? Well, I do think that they have depth. I think I think that the thing that's always interesting about offensive line, and, and you know, there's when, when you watch – a college football game, and I always think this is interesting. You have defensive linemen where it's like wholesale changes. You'll have three and four defensive linemen running into the game and three or four offensive linemen running out. You never see that with offensive line. So the question is why? The reason why to me is because that group, more than any group, has to really play together. Like They have to function together. They have to be able to know what the one is going to do and what the other one's going to do. And if you mess around too much, and the University of Utah at the first of the year was trying to find the best combination, and so they were moving a lot of guys around, and now that's settled down a little bit. I think you've seen their offensive line playing well. And now with, with a few different injuries, it would be nice to get those guys back because you get that continuity. But 
The other thing is these guys that have been in that maybe hadn't played with these guys as much can now form some continuity if those guys aren't back and ready to play that I think will bode well for, for the offensive line. But that is a unit that is it's just super important that they're communicating and that they're all on the same page. It's really hard to run the ball well if all five guys, six guys up front, aren't, aren't blocking in unison. Does this concern you that the Aggies needed right down the end to beat a winless team in Vegas? <laughs> no, no. And I'll tell you why. Because Thank you. Everything, everything that Utah State has done this year is gravy right now to me. I, I don't gravy? Think yeah. Gravy. I, I think that this Red team, gravy or brown gravy? Brown no. gravy. Come on. Mash. <laughs> good gravy. Come on, man. <laughs> nice. So... Here's the deal, and, and, and DJ, I think we talked about this on Sunday night. If, if Utah State, before the season had started, you had told us that they won 28-24 at UNLV, we would have been like, awesome. I mean, we thought they were going to get two, three wins on the season anyway. So, look, they've had a win over Washington State. They've, they've, they've played a really, really good season so far. So to win 28-24 is probably what most of us had kind of hoped for or expected before the season started, this team, in my opinion, for not having a lot of depth, you know, if you're talking about depth, uh, they've done a really, really good job of just plug and play with some guys. I mean, they're fifth in the nation in passing right now. They, they run the ball semi-effectively um, based on what's going on. The offensive line has done as good a job as you can hope. And I think if you're a Utah State fan, you feel really, really good about about their prospects, and I think they have a chance to beat Colorado State. Now, Colorado State has a really, really – they have the opposite of what you would think from a defense. They have a really good pass defense and not as good of a run defense. So if Utah State can establish the run early in this game and then continue to pass the ball at at close to the clip that they've been doing, I I mean, I feel good about their chances, and they ought to feel really good about – where they're at right now. Oh, wait, wait a second. Sunday night. So the Riley's replaced me. Not exactly, but we can go into that later. <laughs> I mean, I mean, suck. Look, you're you're elite. You're always going to be the guy. But from time to time, they got to bring in the righty pro. Yeah, but I got fired, and now I'm finding out Riley Jensen and the crew apparently yes. has replaced me. The college football no. panel came in. Due to technical difficulties, and uh, we, we had very, very different-looking show. Yeah, well, none of them included me, so what the hell's the difference? Well, you know why that is, but go ahead and play dumb on the air. That's I got fired! Fongul! <laughs> <laughs> so, Riley, you're saying it's all gravy this year because the expectations were so low for the Aggies. Which is crap, because if they don't go to a bowl game, it's still gravy. There's that. It's poo-poo. If, What's your problem? You, well, you said the rest uh, of the season is gravy. Did he just say that, DJ? You're, you're absolutely going to a bowl game. night. You're going to a bowl game. Calm down, everybody. You're going to you're going to a bowl game. You got two wins on that schedule for sure. You got more than that. If Utah State beats CSU this week, they are firmly in the driver's seat in the division. So whatever your expectations were in August, if they win this week, 
When we talk to you next week, you got to be thinking division title or bust. Am I right? Yeah. Now, now my expectations completely change. Oh, no brother! Now, now we got now we got to move. The right? meat, what's it? Meat and potatoes now. <laughs> now Slathered in gravy. Potatoes, and I want dessert. Okay, <laughs> I want dessert. I think it's already there. I think the gravy analogy is ridiculous, man. You've come this far to not stop. You've got to go beyond. And if you don't have an excellent season now, it's a disappointment. You've established a new standard. But Blake Anderson has. To, like, look, look. This is all. This is all exciting. Everything that happens going forward is is great stuff for Utah State. They go to a bowl game, great. They get in the driver's seat for winning the division, great. It's all. Can't you see? No, icing on the cake. Can't no, it's not icing on the cake. The These are the new expectations. You're making it sound like anything going forward is nothing it's but a bonus. Year. It's the first year for the head coach. Did you expect yeah. Utah State to play this well, PK? Did you? But they have. So, yes, I, I agree know. with you. Now that they have, and I don't want to hear it's the first year. When you bring in 14 Division One transfers, the idea of that's the first year, that's Every old school thinking. That. Every team does that. Why, why is that any different than any other team? Every team has Because this team started with big wins. And as an experienced quarterback who knows what the heck he's doing, obviously – and they've got a defender that's already been conference player of the year. So no, I'm totally convinced. You're right. I I was totally wrong. You're right. I got high expectations. If they don't win the Mountain West uh, Conference, I'm pissed. Didn't say that. Oh, I went too far. Yes, See, because you got San Diego State and Nevada over there, and they're really good ball clubs. And I don't think they're better than uh, either of those two teams. So I'm not talking about conference title. Game, you're talking about championship game or bust. No, I'm not. Oh, well, then what you're saying is bowl game, and we're going. No, to no, game. no. But six and six is bowl game. If they went six and six, that would be a disappointment. Agreed. I'm with PK on this. 100. percent No reservations. 100. percent You got New Mexico and New Mexico State on the schedule. I think Utah State is much, much better than those two clubs. I pencil them as wins. That's six wins. That's bowl eligible. So if you're six and six, that means you lost to CSU and Hawaii. You lost to San Jose State, and you came home and lost to Wyoming, and that would be really disappointing. So, but you could go eight and four and lose a couple of well played games, and maybe CSU really gets it going late in the season, and they're the team. Okay. Oh, you didn't get to the conference title game, but you went eight and four. You had a good year. Yeah. I'm with you. Where I'm with you is it is year one. I don't expect everything out of him, but they did bring in a bunch of talented transfers, and they have shook off a list of things that went wrong last year. So yeah, yeah. I, I want to see. Yeah. I want to see at least eight and four. And and if you beat CSU, you've already beaten Air Force. Yeah. You'd be a game up with the tiebreaker yeah. on the second and third place teams. <laughs> Hey, guys, I know what you're doing here. You're trying to make me the bad guy. I'm an Aggie. I'm pumped about this. I see what you're doing. I see how you're doing this. This makes you guys look good. And, you know, if you got to do that, that's great. But 8-4, 6-6, playing the Mountain West Conference Championship game, these are all good things for Utah State. They're all good things for Utah State. Agreed. But I've already already counted 6-6 and and put that A in the barn. I'm taking them for granted, playing them three at a time. So eight and four or bust. That's what you tell me. Uh, not or bust, but I think it's realistic. 
I think it's all confident until I get to the details. Eight, no, I, details eight and four is good. Yeah, I, I can see what I see where you go. All that leaves is seven and five, Riley, and I think seven and five would be disappointing at this point, also. But I have to see the complexion of those games. I'll give you that, but it's still probably disappointing. I think it's oh, much so you more are likely eight and four and bust. Much more likely, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So you're saying eight and four? Or bust? The Aggies are the Aggies are good. Well, you don't they want nine went, and three because the bust. It's not going to be a bust. What it's going to be is Blake Anderson getting out of town. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just life in the Mountain West. If you win a lot, you're going to lose your coach. Dude, with with the exception of a few local teams, I mean that's pretty much life everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, Kyle Whittingham, Kalani Sataki, Bronco. Those are exceptions to the rule. Those aren't the rule. I mean, anywhere you go, I mean, you can't even get consistency at USC right now. So, I mean, you you never know. You you never know. what You want a coach that's there to do a good job, and I think Coach Blake Anderson is doing a great job. Right, and that's why, because I believe in him more than you do, and I'm not saying (laughs) six and six. Your lack of faith in Blake Anderson, to me, is appalling. You know what? I'm with PK again. Yeah, and I'm shocked and disappointed in you. You know, earlier, Riley, I wasn't trying to make you the bad guy, but now I yeah. definitely Yeah, am. you're awful. I am. Yeah, you're an yeah. awful Aggie. You're double A. You're horrible. I think they should ban you from the stadium. I don't this trust you. So, this is so awesome. Yeah. This, is just, this is just why I call you guys sorry dudes when I lie. There you in. go. All right. Yeah, that's why. How about, how about this, Riley? The first half of the Utah State schedule was way tougher than the second half, and they went 4-2 and two in the first half. They ought to go four and two in the back half. Yeah, I mean, I, listen. Oh, good. You're with me on eight and four, then. Sweet. I would love it if they were eight and four, but I'm not disappointed if they're not eight and four. This has been a great season. It's their first win over a Pac-12 team since like 1972, before I was born. I mean, come on. It's this is a good season. There it's in no the process of a good season. It's not complete yet. Okay. Okay, Kobe. How can you can't smile? Well, the job isn't finished. Job because isn't I haven't finished. achieved anything yet. <laughs> I've been doing this radio 20 years, and I still don't think I've achieved anything. Well, Wait till I'm you hear optimist. me tomorrow. I'm an optimist. Things are going well. They're going to a bowl game, and, the, and there could be even more. There could be even more. That is true. So. All right, Riley. We'll leave so. you alone now. Yeah, you you sorry, fun. dude. Wow, I had to clear my throat this morning. I had to start yelling at people. Now, now I got to call <laughs> no, myself. you're just talking passionately. It's not yelling. He's yelling. What did yell? <laughs> I moved to this state and yelling. It's like yes, it's like it's the eleventh commandment: Thou shall not yell. That's true. That's, it, it's that's absolutely true. Screw that! And I didn't even come from Jersey. I came from California. Listen, I'm not yelling. I'm it's, not yelling. It's a new set of rules. Honey, <laughs> quit telling me I'm yelling. <laughs> Oh, you're fine. You're yelling. So what? Why is that such a bad thing? <laughs> I'm just trying to be heard over the wind on the far sideline. Yeah. I just talk loud, honey. <laughs> I just talk loud. Yeah. Exactly. I, I love you dearly. Come on. I play quarterback. Yeah. I talk loud. Right. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Riley. See you guys. All right. Now, having said that about Utah State, wouldn't you say the same thing about Utah and BYU? Where everybody's sitting? Well, eight wins. I think these teams are good enough. I've looked at their schedules going forward. Utah State's not the only team that I think has a couple wins sitting out there. Utah does. That'd beat Arizona. Yeah, That'd beat Colorado. See, I, I think the principle here, rather than the individual season check this game, that game, is you have to demand and expect greatness of yourself. 
in order to be great. Does anybody stumble into greatness? Is that possible? Don't you have to? Have, one of the we were talking yesterday of one of the my my greatness in radio, and it's astounding. We could take up months, obviously. We're talking about great calls, and I called Cam Rising before the coaches even knew that he should have been starting. And one of the things I said with Rudy Gobert when I spent 10 minutes with him his rookie year is you have to have that internal drive for greatness in order to get greatness. Yes. And so the Aggies, and we just use them as the example, they've established a boundary now of quality football. Yep. But they ain't even close to done. They have to expect six more games they've got. Yep. And seven, maybe eight. Right. Six regular season games, Conference Asylum Bowl sitting out there beyond that. But six games that are scheduled that we know the opponent. They have to, and you don't want to get ahead of yourself, but they have to walk into each of those games thinking, absolutely, man, we got Rice, we got Bonner, we got, uh, what's the kid, Devin uh, Tompkins. Tompkins. They've got Scarver can return kickoffs with the best of them. We got Blake Anderson. This guy's a proven winner. I've been to Jonesboro, Arkansas. I've been to the mall. And if you can win there, you can win anywhere. It's New York City. You, no, Sinatra but sings if you about Jonesboro. Yeah, you can win in Logan. He didn't come to Logan to win a few games and then, well, we've already established ourselves. No, are you kidding me? The guy has a perpetual hoarse voice, right? Because he yells to be heard on the far sideline. Well, because he's coaching. Yeah. And he's bringing passion to there. There's a reason why Hartwell hired him, and right now it looks like a great hire. So you have to demand and expect greatness in order to achieve it. And if these teams, any of these three teams, think they've accomplished anything, they're sadly mistaken. We'll be saying that after game game ten. You know, you you can you can be ten deep sitting on eight and two, but the difference between a ten and two season and an eight and four season is huge. Well, if, if the Utes are eight and ten, or the eight and two, then at worst they're nine and God, three. Because because where Colorado sits on their schedule, yeah. and and BYU is going to win their next to last game as well. Their last one at USC, okay, but that goes back to your point about where some teams sit on the schedule, and it's bigger than that. Have a great year. You're on your way. In all three cases, it's on the table. DJ and PK, when we come back, we're giving away tickets to the Jazz opener tonight with the Thunder. And Barry Trammell joins us next from the Oklahoma and NewsOK.com as the Thunder get ready to play the Jazz. The New Zone lineup is here with the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10, followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hanson Scotty from noon to 3. And then the Zone welcomes Unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 7, live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK, it is time to give away tickets to see the Utah Jazz in the season opener with the Oklahoma City Thunder. we got tickets for you every hour, 35 minutes after the hour. Every hour from right now. Last pair will be given away at 5.35. Game tips off tonight at 7 o'clock. Be caller 12 right now. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Claim your two tickets to the season opener. If you don't win now, 
We'll try again at 9.35. Time to bring in Barry Trammell, sports columnist for the Oklahoman and NewsOK.com. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of the Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best Estate Award winners, Smart Rain at SmartRain.net. Barry, good morning. How things in Salt Lake? Well, they're good, and I think we just want to thank you now. You've put in the work, you put in your time, you said it again and again, and you finally spoke it into existence. BYU is in the Big 12, and I think you deserve most of the credit. Well, it was a long and winding road, <laughs> but we made it. And so uh, I'm fired up. I'm looking forward to my first trip to Provo. I've never been to Provo, so um, it, uh, you know, it's a chance, a chance um Good chance either OU or OSU will be playing out there in twenty three. Um, probably the Sooners. That probably that, that might be the last year for Oklahoma and Texas. They'll probably load up the schedule against them, so that'd be a good that'd be a good reward. Make them go both go play in Pro Bowl. That'd yeah. be uh, that'd be the way to work it. So uh, I'm very happy for the Cougars. I've uh, been pulling for them all year, man. A couple of uh, unfortunate losses here, but. Uh, you know, that's, uh, I think they're going to do great in the, big, in the Big 12. I actually think the Big 12 did okay for themselves, losing their premier programs and all that stuff. But the ones that they brought in seem to be really, really solid. And uh, you know, I don't think that uh, it's any much worse, if at all, than the Pac-12. And that's what we do over here in our part of the country, is everything is compared to the Pac-12. And so even with Texas and Oklahoma out, because as you documented many times over, Texas has been nothing for a good long time now. Oklahoma's been on top of the world for sure from the Big 12 perspective. But so you're really, as far as a power, you're only losing Oklahoma. And these other programs that they're bringing in, right now anyway, are all solid, legitimate programs. So I think it it ranks equally with the Pac-12. And I'm a Pac-12 graduate, so I'm a little bit of a Pac-12 homer. But I think I can say that and have some accuracy, uh, my thought for you is I would think that the Big 12 remaining uh, eight institutions are fired up thinking that they, the conference, at least from the football perspective, is pretty good. And then basketball, it's unquestionably good. Yeah, it's from a, from a competitive standpoint and from a national Status standpoint, I think you're right. I think um, football-wise, you know, the Big 12 really had sort of solidified itself here in the last four or five years as the number three conference. I mean, well behind the SEC, well behind the Big Ten. But the Pac-12 has struggled. The ACC is really Clemson and not much else. People don't even know which teams are in which division and don't care. And... Um, when, when you lose Oklahoma and Texas, a lot of talk about uh, they're not even going to be Power Five. Well, instead, they add these four, particularly BYU, Cincinnati, and Central Florida, and they really don't lose that standing or that status, um, particularly with Clemson's unfortunate you know, fall this year. So I agree. The one thing it's going to take a hit, and this probably doesn't affect Brigham Young or the newcomers, but – it's going to be a financial hit for the for the Big 12 remnants because whatever the new contract looks like, it's not going to be as lucrative 
as it was with Oklahoma and Texas in the mix. So they're going to have to readjust, figure out ways to to sub- supplement that money that they're losing, find new revenue streams, those kinds of things. So financially, it's going to be a it's going to be a headache. It's going to be a it's going to be a burden. But I think competitively and and branding wise, I think they're actually going to be they're going to be okay. Which was not the case. Here's what's funny. Remember, the first few days, weeks after OU and Texas were leaving. And there's a lot of talk about the Big 12 is going to slip. The Big 12 might get absorbed into the American, um, you know, that kind of talk. Well, I mean, the American just added Charlotte and Rice and Florida Atlantic. So how about we not talk about the American anymore? Uh, (laughs) uh, So, you know, the Big 12 is in pretty good shape, and the basketball is fantastic. Um, You know, Oklahoma and Texas, really good basketball schools, but not – really in the top three or four in terms of success and, and environment and all those things. So you're, I, I think it can, it can prosper. Brigham Young's excellent basketball. Cincinnati, excellent basketball. Houston is in the final four. And everybody can beat US, UCF. So everybody should be happy. <laughs> <laughs> so we have on uh, former BYU football players, and they BYU has former BYU football players in their development department, obviously. And so occasionally we talk to Chad Lewis, uh, the former Eagle, or uh, to Robbie Bosco, who quarterbacked their undefeated 1984 national title team. And Chad recently said, yeah, we, there's a lot of people who said, hey, get back to us if you ever get in a Power Five. Uh, we'll be interested. And he was laughing, saying, well, it's, it's time to get back to those people now because the price tag to compete in this league is going to be a lot higher. And you bring up the money, and while for the remaining eight, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a cut in revenue coming. But for the new four, this, I assume this is going to be way more than they've ever gotten out of their TV deals. But I don't know if the number is going to be 15, 20, 25 million. You have any idea what ballpark the payout's going to be in and how much money they're going to have to work with? Because it is going to be expensive. What? The best thing I can come up with is they've been paying thirty-eight million. You know, last two or three years, it's, it's been about thirty-eight million per school. About twenty-eight million of that is directly from the television contract. So the rest of it's bowl game, NCAA tournament, all that kind of stuff, which really shouldn't change. So we're talking about twenty-eight million has sort of been the standard. And um, there was worry that it could be cut by more than 50%. Now there's some general optimism that it's not going to be quite that drastic. So, uh, but it's not going to be way more than 50%. So I'm, I'm guessing we could be back in the, I don't know, 18 million range, something like that a year, um, which will be more than. UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, I mean, that, you know, that's, that's, that's uh, dust to them. I, I don't know enough about Brigham Young's media contracts to know how big of a jump that's going to be for the, for the Cougars, but $18 million is sort of what we're looking at. And um, the Big 12 knows, you know, everybody's a little bit trepidatious um, if you're not in the SEC or the Big 10 because the the media landscape is changing so much. Streaming is going to become the, the big deal um, as, as more and more people 
get rid of cable. Uh, so it's 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 a brave new world. I think that's the great thing about Brigham Young is, you know, Brigham Young, you don't, you're not really getting a market. I mean, Salt Lake's a great market, but that's not really what you're getting. You're getting the BYU fan base. And that's what's becoming important. Forget the market. You know, Memphis is a major league city. Um, you know, who cares? Nobody cares about Memphis football. They don't. So the market doesn't matter. What matters is how many people care about your football team. And people like Central Florida, which is a huge, I don't know if you guys have studied, they got 71,000 yeah. students at Central Florida. I saw a great stat the other day. UCF has more living alumni in greater Orlando, just in the metropolitan area of Orlando, than TCU has anywhere in the world. So this is a sort of a sleeping giant in terms of of enrollment and fan base. And, and they've done a nice job building it, but it could explode. Brigham Young, we've talked about everybody knows it's a worldwide brand. Um, we'll see about Cincinnati. Houston is sort of a non-starter there. People, I don't know that people anywhere care about Houston football, but potentially that could that could really rise. And what the Big 12's got to do is it its own people have to build up their brand. You know, Oklahoma State's done a nice job with that. Um, but people who are eating pretty good, Iowa State, Kansas State, just don't really rock the boat much. And they're going to have to. They're their fan base is going to have to respond and and get into the streaming. And when that happens, you know, the revenue is going to increase. But I don't know that we'll ever be back to the glory days of, of what people have been experiencing the last 10, 15, 20 years. So as part of uh, find, trying to find out what was going on with BYU uh, going to the Big 12, which we were all over, obviously. I had heard that the Big 12 was interested in beyond those four schools and it w- and could possibly add two, and it wasn't necessarily limiting itself to a group of five programs that they were interested in had had conversations, might still be having, I haven't checked in a while, with potential Power 5 teams as far as coming in. Have you heard any of that? Oh, there's been talk about that, but... Um, you know, the evergreen candidates were Arizona and Arizona State because of their disgust with the big with the Pac-12. I've also heard that that's way overblown and that they would never want to leave the you know the California schools and the California connection. Um, I I think the uh, I think the idea of anybody from a power five jump into the big 12 is pretty far down the road. The big 12 is going to have to prove that it is not just sustainable, but also a place where somebody could thrive. Um, I don't know who else, you know, who else the big 12 would want. Um, you guys would know more about it out West from the, from the, from the other side, the ACC, you know, a, a Clemson and Florida State are probably long-term targets for the SEC. That's you know that's the two prime brands of the of the ACC. So I'd be stunned if any of that anything like that happened in the next 
five years. But, you know, if this league can sort of uh, get on its footing and do what I certainly think it can do, you know, the one thing I think is great about this new-look Big 12 is three or four times I've sat down and tried to rank the football prognosis for the league. And if you've got 10 people, pretty smart people, people who follow it, people who would have a general idea, you could get 10 vastly different answers. Um, so to me, the, the uh, sort of the, the mystery, the unknown, the, the volatility, the, the parity is just going to be fantastic. We haven't had that in the Big 12. Oklahoma's won six straight Big 12 championships. Certainly looks like capable of winning another. So this this sort of unknown is it's little it harkens back. You know what it does? It harkens back to the old Pac-12, or maybe it's Pac-10. It was before Utah came in. There in the nineties, early two thousands, out in the Pac, nobody ever knew who was going to win the dang league. And if you look at where college football is today, we know who's going to win the league. If Ohio State doesn't win the Big Ten, it's a you know, what happened? If Clemson doesn't win the ACC, if Oklahoma doesn't win the, win the uh, Big 12, if Alabama doesn't win the SEC, it sort of becomes stagnant. And I think the Big 12 is going to offer a breath of fresh air because and just take the, take the newcomers, BYU, Cincinnati, and, and Central Florida. I don't know who's over the next five years going to be the best program out of those three. Could be any of them. They've all got these really interesting track records and great strengths and all kinds of potential. And then you add in Oklahoma State and TCU and, and Iowa State and Kansas State, teams that have done stuff. To me, it's, it's going to be fascinating and fun. So if they, can, if they can get going with that and create some interest and build back that brand, I think they would be attractive to somebody in the Pac-12 of the ACC that might say, you know what, this isn't, this isn't going great for us, but you've got to prove it, and they haven't, they haven't proved it yet. With Oklahoma and Oklahoma State both undefeated, does the Thunder season opener just kind of slip under the radar, the whole NBA for that matter right now? Yeah, and it's a blessing because our team stinks. Um, if we were talking Thunder a lot in this state, it would not be uh, it would not be pleasant. Um, you know, I remember that trip to Utah, that playoff series. Where, you know, it seems like forty years ago, but it, I guess it's only three and a half years ago. But how far the Thunder has fallen in terms of competitive uh, ability? But it's it's rebuild. You know, Jazz fans sort of know what that's like. I don't know if they ever fell as far as the Thunder's about to fall. But yeah, it's it's uh, you know uh, today I told them I think we've reached the seventh stage of grief, which is acceptance, <laughs> and um, you know there was some denial for a while and anger and all those things, and now I just sort of accept it and hope it doesn't last too long. <laughs> Thunder needed lottery luck in the summer or May, whenever that whenever those dang ping pong balls came, didn't get it. Had a twenty five percent chance at two top five picks. Um, ended up with no top five picks, so that delays the that delays the rebuilding a little bit. 
But they do have two things going for them that, uh, in terms of rebuilding that most teams don't have. They've already got a star. Shane just Alexander is a wonderful player. He's 23, and he's headed for superstardom. And they got all those draft picks, 19 in the next seven drafts. First round, 19 first-rounders. So they're going to be, you know, they're going to be loading up. If they can get a little bit of lottery luck, they can probably be pretty good again. But it's just going to take a while. And until then, they're going to go into places like Salt Lake and get their get their heads handed to them most nights. They just got a bunch of young players and trying to figure out besides Lou Dort and and SGA who's good. And that's what this whole season is about: trying to figure out who can play besides those two guys. They know those two guys can play. Everybody else, don't know. Well, after the Stockton Millenaire, the Jazz had a 26-win season, but they only missed the playoffs three years. They were back in it. And after Boozer and D. Will, they had a 25-win season, and they missed the playoffs five times in six years in a run there, but then they got it going again. So maybe the Thunder can follow that kind of path and be back. Well, that's what, that's what they want. They, you know, the, the Thunder looks at a couple of franchises and as you know, sort of a the the models to to emulate and the, the jazz is one of those, and you know and Utah's done it, even missing some on the draft. I mean, Ennis Cantor is everybody's favorite. Of, you know, Kirk, I love Ennis Cantor. He's a he, he's an international uh, humanitarian, but he's sort of a bust at number three. Yep, Dante Exum turned out to not be a you know that great of a draft pick. So the the Jazz have done okay, uh, even when they don't always hit on the draft. And so, you know, the, the Utah gives gives the Thunder some hope, no doubt about it. Yep. Well, Barry, we appreciate a little bit of time, and we hope to see you when you come out to Provo with the uh, Sooners who are forced to travel in their final year. I like the way you think about scheduling. That was hilarious. <laughs> We're good. We're good. All Look right. forward to it. Thanks, Barry. Barry Trammell, sports columnist for the Oklahoma, NewsOK.com, been on our show dozens and dozens of times, and in studio once during that playoff run. That was a good time. He's a good guy. I disagree with him vehemently on one thing. What's that? We'll get to it. All right, that's next. (laughs) I can't wait for the vehemence, and I won't have to wait long. It's next, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. BYU hits the road to Pac-12 country as Kalani Sataki and the Cougars square off against Washington State in Pullman. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Thursday at the warehouse from 2 to 7 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom, kaboom, boom, boom, kaboom. Giving away jazz tickets all day long, 35 minutes after every hour or about a half an hour away from the next pair of jazz tickets. Is that first winner pretty happy, Yach? Yes, quite elated, actually. I thought that might be the case. we got 10 pairs of tickets, 20 tickets, 10 pairs, giving away every hour, 35 after the hour, until they're gone at 5.35. So be here at 9.35. Now, we just had Barry Trammell on, which we love, because we can talk Ooh, NBA. We love. we love having him on. Yes. And he can talk Big 12. 
He can talk NBA, and the Jazz are playing Oklahoma City Thunder in the opener. He said something that you vehemently disagree with. Yeah, yeah. What is it? I missed it. I didn't. Sometimes I hear people say things, and I'm like, oh, that's going to trigger PK. Holy cow. I missed it, but that's probably just because uh, I love the dulcet tones of Barry Trammell. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I do. Okay. Fine. I love having him on. Yeah. All right. So, what did he say? He said the Dante Exum pick was not good. No, it was great. Oh, I, yeah, you're right. I'm, I am with you on that. Because <laughs> they flipped it for Jordan Clarkson. Yes. I totally believe that about draft picks. You yeah. draft a guy, and he doesn't work, or he's hurt, or he can't play, or he doesn't fit in your system, or whatever. People want to label him a bust. But if you trade him for a good player, right. then that was a good pick. Right. If it leads to a good player, I'm taking it. I would take that every time if I were the owner. Yeah, it depends on who else is on the board. For instance, there's this uh, guy named Nikola Jokic who was uh, taken 41. Interestingly, Clarkson was taken 46. I'm Obviously, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Clarkson didn't go until the second round. So all of you Jared Butler fans, <laughs> second round. <laughs> second round. Chad Ford loves Jared Butler. Gave him an A+, <laughs> which surprised me. He loves him some jazz. Okay, pull the curtain back. How many years have you been telling me? And you're the one, you're, you're, somebody told you, I think. like A friend of his. Oh, it was a friend of his. Okay. And I want to say it was like 2007. It seems to me it was a long time ago. Because I visualize when you tell me stuff like what studio we were in, right? Because we move buildings over time. That's the way radio works. And I want to say it's, it was certainly more than a decade ago. maybe 15 years ago. Right, it still yeah. holds. And you texted me the other day. And I laughed when I saw it. They gave out but in this case, in this case. Off the preseason. Or the... It, yeah, preseason grades. Right. It was, it was just yeah. how to draft picks look in a preseason. He, he gave Jared Butler and the Jazz an A+. Butler looked really good, and he's he a second-round pick, so I don't know what else you give him. But it's Chad Ford, and whatever the grade is, it's always at the highest end of what is possible. <laughs> he's a Jazz fan. There you know. go. Uh, yeah, so that was an excellent usage of a draft slot. On, on the surface, drafting Dante Exum in and of itself was yeah. not good. Yeah, I had that talk with uh, Payson Thurl once when we were killing time on a, on a pregame show, and Eric Lechner, somebody said Eric Lechner couldn't play, and I'm like, it doesn't matter. They flipped him for Jeff Malone, and they flipped Jeff Malone for Jeff Hornacek. Great pick. Now, when you have to buy somebody out, who was it they bought out in the mid-'90s? Speaking of the like Jazz, Glenn the Jazz. Rice, you're talking about? No, the Jazz. No, they they drafted somebody, Luther Wright, Luther oh, Wright, oh, oh, and nothing oh. nothing good came of that pick. They had they had to buy him out. He couldn't play. It didn't work. You know, sure. So that that's a bad pick. But if you draft Lechner and he doesn't work, but you flip him for Malone and you go to a conference final and you flip him for Hornacek and go to two NBA finals, I'm thinking that worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Now you're right. There could be somebody still on the board who ended up being an MVP. So that sucks that you missed on them. But it could still be a good pick, even if it isn't the best pick. Well, the good thing is that every single team missed on Jokic because he went in the second round. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. 29 minutes to free jazz tickets. 29 minutes away right here on The Zone. Stay with us. Jazz games are back, and so is the Ford Fan Zone. Purchase Ford Fan Zone, all you can eat ticket to an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream starting as low as $30 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325 2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone, all you can eat tickets now. Tonight, 
the Jazz and the Thunder. Game one of 82. We want answers. And we're not going to get them, PK. Answers to what? How good are the Jazz? Can they win it all? Yes, they can. We're not going to get that until the postseason. Nope. 82 games to tune up for the postseason. I got rest of fall, all of winter, and most of spring to go. But I'm willing to be patient. And I'm going to enjoy the ride, too. I think that's important. Not just be the championship adrenaline addict and wait for the playoffs in every sport. Correct. Soak up the regular season. Watch the games. Wait for the big moments, the highlights, the crazy plays. Stockton said this years ago, and the more I think about it, the more he was right. There's, it's about the journey, too, not just exclusively the end result, because there can be a lot of good, a lot of fun along the way. And so take advantage of that opportunity to have some fun with the journey along the way. You're going to play 82. Some of them are going to be stuff you remember. Others are going to be stuff you forget the next week. <laughs> and, and that's the thing about sports. I mean, who knew when if the Dodgers go on and win the World Series, they'll look back at that Bellinger hit. Absolutely. So really, as you're going into the bottom of the eighth, who knew? You don't. That's why we love sports. Yeah, exactly. Unscripted drama. Right. There's some stuff we just For can't, a kid yeah. who was the MVP at 24 and sucks at 26. Complete and total awful season. Yeah. All the numbers this year. Terrible. And, and he manages to, to get on top of a fastball and drives that thing. Place the, was packed, going nuts. The season's on the line. Yeah, yeah. Because you go down 3-0. Yeah. Well, you're, and it's 5-2 in, in the eighth inning. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. in, you're in two trouble. Outs. Yeah. You are in trouble. Massive trouble. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Yach, you got Charlie Steiner losing his mind? Well, he didn't really lose his mind. I'm overstating it. But Charlie was pretty, like, he, when he hit it, he's like, the, you can hear in his voice, like, that's what everybody's hoping for. I can't believe he just did that. Here's Charlie Steiner on the call. And a fly ball to right center field. It's well hit, and it is gone. A three-run home run for Bellinger. We've got a new game. It's tied at we were talking about the other day how you always mention when it's Charlie Steiner because you know him and you don't know anybody else's play-by-play guy. Uh, and, yeah, that that was an unbelievable, shocking. We throw unbelievable around so casually. Stunning moment. Uh, great moment. It, now they got to go on and win the World Series because with a team with an $8 trillion payroll. <laughs> Losing in five games in the NLCS isn't good enough. More in the World Series for that matter. Yeah. Uh, you know, the next round. Uh, so that's the whole beauty of it. So there's going to be moments. We don't know what the moments are going to be, but there's going to be a moment that Mitchell is just going to make an unbelievable play, and it's going to be a wow, come out of your seat if you're at home or at the arena, or you know if it could be a away game for that matter. And there's going to be a lot of fun moments along the way. So go ahead and enjoy him. You know, when I was watching LeBron last night, I'm thinking, you know, this is fun to watch LeBron play ball because he looked great. And he's 37 years old. He's not going to be around much longer, basketball-wise, and hopefully for him and his family and all that. And he's going to be around for a long time. But heck, we said that about Kobe, and he's not around, literally. Uh, So I I say take advantage of the journey and the joy in the journey because there's a lot of stuff there. We're going to have a lot of great moments. And like Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles might be coming to the end. You know, this is it. This is last year's deal, right? Could be. He's in his mid-30s now. Yeah. 
So it doesn't last forever for anybody. No. And Joe is fun to watch. He's laughing. He's carrying on. He's a man of the community. One of the better stories that this franchise is ever going to have, the way he and his wife have made the connection so strong, put foreign people, put down roots. Now, the roots aren't going to be here forever, but that's the even more reason to enjoy him while he's here because he's a Utah through and through. In a short order, whatever it's next offseason, the season after that, I don't know, he's going to go back to Australia. He said that, as he should. That's where he's from. That's where his family's from. So there's going to be good times in the meantime. It's like a kid growing up. You know what's going to happen. And, you know, when they're Yacht's kid's age, it seems so far-fetched. But you still know it's going to happen. And then you get old-timers telling you to make sure you take advantage of it because it's going to happen. It will happen. And the same thing here. So even if they don't win the title, there's still a lot of fun times to be had. There will be a moment. There will be a play. Last year, they brought everybody up out of their seats. Cross-court pass to Bogey. Behind the back to Donovan Mitchell. One hand all the way into the other corner, and Joe hits a three. Right. The place went nuts. That's the only time he's going to hit anything off of a Mitchell fastball. <laughs> we got we to find out if we've had resolution on that, don't we? Have they done that yet? I don't think they have. We would have heard about it. It would have come up. Uh, yeah. And so uh, it, that was a fun, fun play. And, and I go, wow, that's, that's what I love about basketball. I hate to pound it in the pavement and, you know, guys standing around in the old days pointing illegal defense put me to sleep already uh, because I believe collectively these are the world's best athletes, you know, not every single one of them. And there's other athletes in other sports and all that stuff. But as a collection, as a group, I think these are the best. And to see these guys run and jump and shoot and do the things they do is very, very impressive. And to see ball movement, too. you know, The ball has got to move. In order for me to enjoy the game, the, the ball has got to move. And that particular play that, you, play that you highlight, the ball moved literally both directions of the court and ends up with Joe, who worked his butt off to be able to perfect the catch above the shoulders, don't bring it down, shoot. That takes a lot of practice to get to that level. And he's gotten to that level, and he can do that. So that's just one example in one of many. But that pass right on Joe's forehead, short release. Defender's got less time to recover. Right. Joe's got it down cold. Yeah. And Donovan's a pitcher, so he can put it right between the eyebrows. Oh, yeah, that was a phenomenal pass. Yeah. The whole play, the whole thing. Uh, from start to finish, and Joe uh, culminated in it with a three. Place went nuts. It was a great play. Absolutely loved it. I remember I tweeted out. That's that's the essence of why I watch the sport. So let's not get caught up in the finals right now, October, and all the way through. You know, when we start to get to March, all right, another story. But we're we're heck, we're a long ways away from that. So. Enjoy the fact that they're there, they're back, fans get to go. We have some semblance of normalcy. I think that's good. That, that's good enough for me to celebrate in the short term. We'll worry about the the postseason, and I get it. it and I, I've never been that way. There's never been an NBA team that's disappointed me and broke my heart because it just didn't. I mean, I was a kid in Madison Square Garden watching the Lakers and the Knicks play. Young, young kid. And I... I remember sitting there thinking, man, there's Wilt, there's Jerry West, Walt Frazier. I couldn't, even as a kid, I didn't care who won, but I was so thrilled to be there. And just for me, 
It's about the competition. And I remember sitting there watching that game thinking, this is absolutely awesome. And I couldn't tell you who won the game now. Uh, I think the Knicks won the series, right? They won the NBA title, right? Yep. Yeah. So I found joy in it. Of course, I didn't have a team that I rooted for, so it didn't matter who won or who lost. And I get that's a little bit different. I mean, that's I, I worry about you in the next month when the San Diego State team loses. I really, oh, don't I, worry about I, it. No, you'll be I've, crushed. You're I've li- dealt with it a million your, times. Your little heart will be broken. No, I'll be mildly disappointed. No, you'll be you'll be crushed in the moment. Come nope. on. Don't show vulnerability. Nope, People I expect People will actually it. respect you more. I expect that. I see it coming. But yet you saw the Devils winning every game, but now you don't see the you don't see the Aztecs winning every game. No, I don't. <laughs> that's the definition. Nevada, that's the definition of fandom, right there. Nevada will get them. <laughs> well, the Devils didn't win every game. I never think a team's going to win every game. <laughs> okay, but you you just predicted every one of their wins, <laughs> and I've got conclusive proof that you root against them. Oh, really? Yes. Why would I root against them? That's the question I haven't been able to answer. That's because you made the whole thing no, up. No, I didn't. I've got comp- totally I, I, made it. I've got conclusive proof. Jacob C. Hatch. Jacob young, C. Young Yon. Hatch. I oh, told no. David no, 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 DJ. No, no. I told David DJ James Wednesday when he asked that my gut feeling on BYU Utah this week was that they would split this weekend with one team winning yeah. and the other team losing. It's true story. Hence, that's redundancy. But that's what split means. Um, Sorry. BYU football did the losing, so go Utes and make me look smart tonight, won't you? And then David DJ James. Full disclosure, I was feeling two losses. Hopefully this ages poorly. So you were rooting against the Devils! It's conclusive proof you tweeted it out! You are guilty! G-U-I! L-T-Y! Don't you know? Just accept it! This is you changing the question again. Of course I want the local teams to win. So you were Absolutely. rooting against the Devils. Yes, but that's not the same as rooting against them all the time. Most Who cares of the time, you were I just rooting don't against care. them in the most recent game. Yes, ever. yes, and I rooted against them when they were in Provo. Right. And if they go to Utah right. State, I'll root against them again. Bing. Oh, locals winning good for ratings. Locals way, winning good we're for web drivers. We're into this. We keep getting new deals. What yep. difference does it make at this point? What these people do? <laughs> <laughs> it's still because one day we won't. One and day. at that point, I'll be done. I know. I'm not going to do it forever. I want to be done at some point. But you want to be done when you want to be done, not when someone else and wants to be done. And that's what's going to happen. So don't not you 100%. worry it's your radio. pretty little face. Not 100%. It's radio. Well, maybe for you, but not for me. I am oh. that good. <laughs> okay. Maybe not for you, but for me. <laughs> the essence of PK right there. Yeah. <laughs> But now he's going to have people tweeting at him and his notifications that are off because they think he was serious right then. <laughs> and true, I know better. True story. And though. I know better. So I don't really care. I, I know that was 100% I don't want to read people ripping me. Why is it? You don't get that. You tweet. That was a lovely play. You don't ever tweet anything that is anything controversial. So you don't get, you're not going to get ripped. That's actually not true, but whatever. Oh, not as much right. as you. You're right. Not as in, much as in you. In 2013, I remember that tweet. You're right. You're right. You're right. My bad. <laughs> and I can't help myself. Remember that one time. <laughs> so I just turned the notifications off. Yeah. So, but I'm here available. You want to take shots at me? You can get me from seven or it says six yep. to ten. Uh, otherwise, I I don't want to hear what you have to say on Twitter. Unless you say I love you. <laughs> 
<laughs> Wait a minute. I thought you didn't care. <laughs> well, everybody wants to be complimented, even me. You, you know, said two you or three not. times a month would be nice, or a year even. You're the best, PK. Yeah, but you don't mean it. I do. We love you. Yeah, but that's because you're forced because I make you money. It's just a financial arrangement here. It's like Phil Knight and the Ducks. It's like you said about, though, ma- marry money and you'll learn to love them. We married money and we learned <laughs> to love you. <laughs> marry money. Yes. Phil Knight's been <laughs> You'll quite learn to love them. You don't remember saying that? <laughs> yeah, my mother said it a thousand right. times. Okay. My own father said it to me. It's, <laughs> did he really? Yeah, said, Your dad did? My, dad, my dad's exact words. You know you can marry into more money than you can make in a lifetime in about five seconds, right? <laughs> Oh, especially where you are. All those entrepreneurs down here uh, in Utah yeah. County. Come on. Everyone's trying to make a buck off a ward member. <laughs> All right. We're giving away jazz tickets in 10 minutes. Keep it dialed in right here. 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The new zone lineup is here. Give it up, give it With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10, followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 7, live and local, all day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com. 9 a.m. Slacker Radio Headlines brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Had Riley Jensen and Barry Trammell on earlier this morning. You can listen to those interviews at 1280thezone.com. Barry got into a little bit of the money in the Big 12 and was singing the TV money could be in the $18 million range. Says right now they're paying out $10 million in bowl money and NCAA basketball tournament money. So thinking that uh, $25 to $30 million range, probably closer to 25 than 30 don't know if they'll be able to replicate the Oklahoma playoff money that's coming in from the college football playoff. But that's a pretty good neighborhood for BYU. It's a better neighborhood than they're in right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's more than double. Right. It'll be a hit for the teams that are in the league, Oklahoma State, Kansas State. Yeah, we'll see. But for the new teams coming in, heyday. Let's see what they can do. Let's give them a chance as a league. Uh, you know, and now they've got uh, another time zone. Well, they've got two more time zones. No, they've already had West Virginia in the East, so I take that back. Uh, but obviously they've got BYU uh, that they can use to their advantage. Yep. Late night game. Those home games, Big 12 games, there'll be a lot of them. A lot of them falling at 8, 8.15, 8.30. No different than Independence. It really isn't, no. In fact, and if you have a big enough game, it'll still get moved to one thirty, just like the USC game did. And this is the third Boise. straight week. Yeah, Boise State home game did. It's the third straight week they're going to play at one thirty. Yeah, the Wazoo away game, game you don't really control. You don't. The, the Wazoo game could have ended up late, and it didn't. So uh, if there's a reason, the TV networks I mean, will move it. It's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. So there's no point in complaining. Uh, I, I think that for BYU, the thing that's most important is they should have enough money to accomplish what they want. That is the key. Yeah. Are you going to be able to get the recruiting budgets where they need to be? Are you going to be able to pay the coaches you need to pay to retain them? Not just head coaches, but the recruiting pool for all the assistants in the and football program. And they have program. that, whether they will or not, to what degree remains to be seen. But they should but when have. when Barry throws that number out, and you know he's delved into it, it's a good neighborhood. It's a pile of cash. And it's going to be expensive. Uh-huh. 
So good to talk to Barry. Uh, a lot about the Big 12, a little bit about the NBA, Oklahoma City and the rebuild. They're the opener for the Jazz. They've got two really good players. Two guys who would play a lot of minutes, no matter where they were, I think. SGA, Shea Gilders-Alexander, and Lou Dort, your Arizona State Sun Devil. For one season? Yep. (laughs) I'll get into that. Damp for life. (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) whatever. He came in, and good for him, man. He used what he needed. He went to baby for playing time. And he was going to get it because their program isn't very good usually. And and then bet on himself, was undrafted. I'm going to root for a guy like that. I view myself as undrafted. I realize I'm a white male, so I must have a certain opinion at all times. Uh, but, you know, each of us uh, have uh, different backgrounds, if you only knew. And uh, you can bring different points of view that way. Uh, but, you know, you can stereotype one group, but I guess you can't stereotype the other group. Interesting. Uh, whatever other groups they may be. Uh, but Lou Dort bet on himself, and he won. Who doesn't like that story? He won big time. Yeah. He can play for a lot of teams. That's awesome. But they've got two guys, and the Jazz have the solid, yeah, eight, good team. solid eight-man rotation, and then we'll see beyond that. I mean, Butler looked good in the preseason, but now it's another level. You know, the preseason's tougher than the summer league. He didn't get to play in the summer league, but... Preseason's tougher than the summer league. That's a step up. And now it's another step up to the regular season. It'll be another step up in intensity when they get to the playoffs. Well, I think if you're going to isolate Jared Butler in the role that they're going to ask him to do, he's probably going to be okay. Unless I'm mistaken, I don't think he's getting handed the keys to the offense the way <laughs> Quinn Snyder did Donovan Mitchell. Probably not. Team's in a little different place. Right. So I, I really am not worried about Jared Butler. Because I don't know to what level he's going to be uh, an integral part. I mean, if he, but if he does, that's awesome because I would look to give everybody, well, not everybody, but those who get the opportunities, you have to earn the right to get the opportunity. And then when you've earned that right to get that opportunity, you have to earn the right to get more of an opportunity. And because it is a salary cap league and because the Jazz are well into the luxury tax, you can't pay everybody. You need guys on rookie deals or veterans on veteran minimums to perform at a high level and be good rotation guys. So they need to find those guys. You can't bring everybody in at $10 million a year. You're paying a couple stars way more than that. But you got a lot of guys in the 10 to $15 million range. So if they can find some guys, and maybe Butler's that guy, contribute while you're on that. If he earns now. it. Right, exactly. All right, it is time to give away some tickets. Yachts ready for caller 12. We get two tickets to the season opener. See the Jazz and Thunder tonight, 7 o'clock. You can win two tickets right now. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Call right now. 855-340-ZONE. Caller 12 is going to the season opener tonight. If you don't win now, 1035, 11.35, 35 minutes after every hour until 535. That'll be the last pair of tickets at 535. I'm giving away 20 tickets. 10 pair today. 10 straight hours at 35 after the hour. Call right now. All right, we also had uh, Riley on, and then we got into a big old back and forth about, and, and we were talking about the Aggies, but I think this applies to everybody. The Aggies at 4-2, and two, and bull eligible, great. But what about eight wins? What about more than that? What about winning the division? You used to have a great chance to win the division. The Aggies have a great chance to win the division. This Aggie game 
is for the Aggies what last week's Ute game was for the Utes. The Utes had to win that to put themselves in the driver's seat. If the Aggies beat CSU, they're in the driver's seat. They'll be in first place, and they will have wins over the other two one-loss teams in the division. Be a one-loss team themselves. So, big game for the Aggies. But Riley, as far as expectations, seemed a little reluctant to embrace the big expectations. Okay, is that fanboy or getting in so you don't... I, I've never been in that situation. So pro- probably a little bit, at. but the other difference between them and the Utes and the Cougars is the Utes and the Cougars are building off something. The Utes and the Cougars have success over the last year or two, whereas the Aggies were coming off a one-win season and a new coach. And the Utes and Cougars are bringing their staffs back, and we've seen these staffs coach up really good teams. So it is a different vibe. It's a bigger leap for the Aggies, but they're there now. Uh, yeah, they are there now. Yeah, okay, I'm glad you got to there. Yeah. But I get why it's been six weeks here, mental adjustment for him, because these first six games, they've had their bye already, so I guess it's seven weeks. Uh-huh. Uh, but eight weeks ago, he you. didn't have these expectations. But the first half of the schedule, to me, was a tougher half of their schedule. Well, what did, what did Blake Anderson have? What do you mean, what did Expectations. He have? Uh, you know, I don't know him well enough, know, well enough to know what they really were. I don't know if he came in thinking, we can win this division. I don't know if he knew the league well enough to know that for sure. No, He knew he had a quarterback. We uh, yeah. didn't know, but so, he's got a relationship. So he probably had way more confidence in that position than we had. Okay. But as far as the whole roster, you know, and do they have enough linemen, and how are the O&D lines going to come together? I didn't have a good feel for that. I don't know if he did. I certainly didn't think they'd be sitting here four and two. They have outstripped my expectations. But the back half of the schedule, I don't see why they aren't thinking at least four and two. And really, you can only win the game in front of you. So I'd be thinking, let's get CSU, which isn't Saturday. It's a Friday night game. It's Friday night. Yeah. It's a Friday night game. Yeah. So get CSU Friday night, and then you can reevaluate. You get air. You get CSU. They got a loss. Air Force has got a loss. You beat them both. Yeah, I think where the Aggies are at, they're just trying to win as many games as possible. And if it ends up being that you win the division, so be it. But if you don't, you can still you have, have a very a good, good year with eight or nine wins. Yeah. Right? And that's where I would go. That's the first year. Whereas you want the youth to win the division. That's the goal. That's yeah. the goal for them and, every year because Kyle is not in the first year. And I don't think you can rely on bringing in a great defensive player and a great offensive player on grad transfers every year. So the point I'm making is no matter what the program, we're using Utah State as an example, you bring in all these transfers so they hit the ground running, and that's great because they played for you at Arkansas State. So that's an unusual situation. So by definition, you can't count on unusual unusual situations every year. With that in mind, uh, winning eight, nine ball games this year really gives you some energy for recruiting and gives you some big-time ammo. I think that's the most important thing for the results of the first year is that you're not going to get a quarterback that you coached for four years to come into your program and be ready to made to go. Uh, look at Utah and Brewer. He comes in. He doesn't really know the program. The program doesn't really know him, and it didn't work. Well, Bonner comes in. He knows the program, even though it's is it brand new, because he was with those guys, the majority of them, including the head coach, who's the offensive engineer on that staff so he's able to get going right off the bat you can't count on that every year so a great first year to me really is about 
the success you can have in recruiting. Look at what we're building over here, guys. That's powerful. That's a powerful statement. Come here and win. Everybody likes that. Yeah, and look what I did. And we can do this some we're more. Back, baby. Uh, for sure. So you go looking at that. And to me, it's about accumulating as many wins as you can get this year. So even if they lose to CSU, that doesn't derail them from the potential of a good season. I don't think so, because I think that they can go out and and I think it probably derails them stuff. from winning the division. I get, be I get that. Yeah. But you can still go out and have an eight or nine win season. Which is At that point, they'd have to win out to, to have nine. Which is very much conceivable. But all of these schools have a couple of wins baked into the back half of the schedule. They all have two games. I feel very confident in them, and I assume they're going to be 17, 20, 24-point favorites in those games. Okay. So you're four and two or five and two now, but in my brain, well, I already think you're six and two, or in the case of BYU, seven and two. Yeah, and it's interesting too because great seasons for all three of them can translate ultimately into the same thing, but different ways. For instance, if the Utes win the division, man, we've won it three out of four years now, and the only one we didn't last year, and that didn't really count. Come on, you're not going to judge us on that, are you? No. Uh, you practice game, then don't have a game. It's canceled. Blah blah blah. Throw the game together. There was they, no. Wasn't the Washington game? Was it thrown together at the end or middle? Because they had a, they had I the championship the week of the championship games. Everybody got assigned one more game. Yeah, so it was a bunch. And of you miles, played man. your season opener against a team that already played twice. Yeah, come on. It was totally weird. So of all the you, seasons not to win, that was the one. So you basically won three years in a row. Come on, man. We're the dominant team in the South. We're pretty much punching our ticket Speaking every year. Speaking of recruiting pitches, that that's, ought to that's sound good. And BYU, yeah. okay, we, we did last year. How was the schedule? Well, we, yeah, we got some power this year. You can't say the schedule. Now, particularly with BYU, most especially with BYU, if you're uh, recruiting uh, mission kids, you're a Big, you're 12, a big kid. 12 kid. When you come back, we're in a Big 12, if you're man. Not, if you're not a mission kid, then you play one year of independence, and you'd have three years in the Big 12. I am. If you redshirt, yeah. you're four years in the Big 12. And if you're a mission kid, then you're 100% into the Big 12, for sure, no matter what. Right. So, they, so they're recruiting the Big lot. 12 now, period. And I hear, oh, they're playing for the Independence Bowl. No, they're not. That's not the exclusive reason as to why they're playing football this second half of the season. It's for down. Yeah, I get the Independence Bowl isn't a glorious bowl and all that stuff, but it's not. It's not. That's part of the deal. But it's not exclusively the Independence Bowl. It's for to send the message that BYU is in a great spot and it's in as good a spot as Utah is now. And for years, it wasn't in as good a spot. The Utes were in a much better spot. Utah still has a better program than the BYU right now. But what BYU can sell is that, look at man, we can accomplish everything here just like you can there. And so that's for the LDS kid in state, or anywhere for that matter, because uh, BYU gets, uh, or Utah gets LDS kids outside of state, and, and these other kids too. Who's to say? They don't have to be LDS. The, and you can sell it. So it's really, really important for all three to finish strong. There are so many parallels between Utah and BYU, even though the fan base is uh, large segments of both fan bases we're nothing alike. What are you yeah, talking right? about? And so here's another storyline for you. The Utes lost back-to-back games and really had to beat Washington State to avoid the three-game losing streak. And here's BYU with back-to-back losses really needing to beat Washington State to avoid the three-game losing streak. Well, just in the moment, that's good enough. You don't need any of those other ramifications. Yep. Just in the very thing that you just said, just that's get, plenty ammo right, get, in there, right here, right now. Get off the losing track, get on the winning track. Amen. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, your feedback coming up next. You got a winner? Can people stop calling? 
Correct. Fernando was our winner this time. Fernando. Day. And Fernando pumped, I assume. Yes, very Two good. pumped winners. Another one coming up at 1035 right here on the Zone Sports Network. BYU is still the best team in the state, hands down, and they're resting exactly call it straight during the last two games for the Cougars. But really, only two games matter. Beating Utah, check. We've done that. And then getting payback on Bronco next week. Really? Payback on Bronco? I hadn't even thought about payback on Bronco. I don't think of it as payback. I mean, certainly there's a connection there. And you want to beat him? Right. But not payback. Right, I know. Payback's too strong. What did he do that would require payback? I think if a coach leaves, if a coach gives you a decade and then leaves for... Double his salary. To double his salary, I don't know what more you want. And he want. felt smothered in the market because you, speaking generally of the fan base, smothered him. That's part of the deal. You signed up for it. Tom Holmo's wife w- once told me they could go anywhere in the Bay Area at yeah. any time when yeah. he was winning Super Bowls Rolls as a the player. Niners. Yes. Yeah. And here they can't go anywhere. Yep. Oh, it's to the point with the Niners that uh, there was a deal where they had, he'd have to tell the story, maybe you remember it, where they didn't let him into a hotel or get off a bus yeah, or something because he didn't. It was a Super Bowl. <laughs> he looked too he much. He didn't have his credential or he something? He his credential. He looked too much like an ordinary Joe instead of a member of the Niners Super Bowl team. Profiling. Hmm. Seems to be common. Six foot white guy. You're just trying to wheeze your way into the about team six hotel. Two. Six two? Yeah, he is taller than me, you're right. Just trying to played wheeze your way seven, eight years in the league. I'm guessing he was pretty good. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and to get those coaching jobs afterwards, somebody must have respected your football IQ. You wouldn't end it up on the Niners staff. Oh, Bill Walsh you're talking about? Yeah. Oh yeah, he I remember Bill Walsh. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. He's pretty good at what he did, right? He's got three Super Bowls to show for it. <laughs> Wasn't he recognized as a genius? Yep. Revolutionized the passing game. All right, more feedback coming in from uh, you folks, a lot of you on the start of the jazz season. Are you pumped? <laughs> Following along says, I'm cheery. I win Sam pumped. Pumps pumped. too much adrenaline for the opener. You gotta pace yourself. No, no, NBA no. NBA no, no. regular season no. is a marathon. Right. No, it's like in baseball, these teams that suck, they sell out the first day and then they have ten thousand the second day. So you have that big drop off and then you regroup. I would be pumped if I could actually watch it, Ash said. Yeah, I feel for you for those folks who can't do it. Absolutely. <sighs> Greg, wow, PK, you revealed your plans to ditch DJ with that maybe-for-you comment. It's more and more obvious. You're the mastermind behind this new KSL deal. What'd you say? <laughs> the mastermind. <laughs> I'm the master of nothing. You're kidding me. I'm trying to survive day-to-day. <sighs> I hope I'm still with you five years from now. and that's, That would be my goal, but that's not up to me. Uh, here we got a fan saying, uh, I'm not pumped. It's another year of average results and horrible t- TV availability. It's hard to get vested in a team that I cannot watch at home with my kids. Uh, yeah, again, same thing. We can read as many as those, and my opinion of that will never change. I-, I feel for you who can't get the games. Uh, and it keeps going. People are bashing on Dish, so... Yeah. Okay, I got you. If I, I would be right there with you, arm yeah, in arm, brother. If, if, if that was our link, yeah, yeah it's no. frustrating when we lose uh, one network 
and we've lost different networks at different times. And now to lose a network that's uh, providing 82 jazz games, major frustration. All right, DJ and PK, we are all done. Coming up next, Jake and Ben, right around the corner here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.